So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome to another edition of Not Star Wars with Simi Klimo. Simi, as I introduce you here, not only is this the, uh, I think, fourth commentary we've done together, third or fourth, but this is also another Yet another of the me doing a commentary I've already done solo, but with someone that's going to be a much cooler series. That's the best name I got for it. So welcome back. Hey, man, this is pretty awesome. I am ready for some Potter time. I, uh, I've been a big fan for a while, and, uh, you know, we've been trying to cleanse our souls and our palates of uh, uh, of our last Star Wars uh episode together and i'm not he will not be named uh the episode that will not be named and we'll uh we'll 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 cleanse our palate a little bit more we'll get some good mouthwash with a different genre a different uh a different uh blockbuster saga smash um that i have been following since the beginning yeah, so um, there, even though I've done this commentary before, Simi, uh, and by the way, guys, the commentary we're talking about is the movie Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the third film, the transitional film, as we will talk uh, about, and as is generally agreed by almost all audiences, hardcore, not hardcore, is the best or one of the best. We'll get to that as well. But Simi, when we did Rogue One as your first commentary with me, that was the first time I'd ever redone a commentary. Uh, since then, I've redone on the force awakens uh i had done but not released commentaries for the prequels and original trilogy movies of star wars and i so i redid those but they were first time releases i did redo revenge of the sith with jackie girl so i think this is the third of the redos that were released <clears throat> is this movie um and you talk about palate cleansers our v for vendetta podcast was great that was definitely a direct palate cleanser cleanser especially because of natalie but there were just tons of connections to to that um, time and place. Um, and you will be interested to know, audience, that uh, I kept calling V for Vendetta a 2005 movie. That's because it was released sort of in art theaters at the end of 05, but wide release was actually early 2006. This movie, Semi Harry Potter, um, I believe was 2004 because the director, who we will also be talking about, Alfonso Cuaron, went on to direct Children of Men in 2006, so we're still in that same time period. But this isn't palate cleanser in the same way that V is, other than doing another non-Star Wars movie, right? And, and, and this will be the part where you talk about your love of Harry Potter a little bit, and then we'll get you guys into the movie. Yeah, man. I, uh, I fell in love with, uh, with Harry Potter on accident, actually. 
And uh, I was at a family friend's house for the Sabbath weekend, and they kept Sabbath. Not a family friend, my actual family, sorry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't bring a book. I forgot about, you know, downtime and maybe I'll want to read something. And I stupidly didn't bring a book. And I literally was like going to go take a nap, and I couldn't take a nap. And I just saw a book sitting mm-hmm. on the counter, and I had never heard of Harry Potter in my life. Um, I, I thought you were going to say, I've time. never seen a book before. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'd never seen a book before. Anyway, uh, right. And I, uh, I picked it up and read 50 pages of it and, and loved it. And, and, and so there wasn't this big hype in Israel about Harry Potter. It was in Europe and America. So I just, I missed it all. And so it was like very, you know, also we were talking yesterday about the, the, the time and how it was, you know, cool to read uh, young teen novels as a uh, as an adult and like people were, right. you know, kind of made fun of or mm-hmm. thought cool of or but it was this thing all throughout, you know, all these eight books that, uh, you know, whether you were allowed to read them and then they were widely accepted, but people still, you know, yeah, all, everybody makes fun of their friends. But sure. that was that was like a thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yet and so, um, guys, we're going to keep this intro so much short. We had a 17-minute intro somehow with Vera Vendetta Simi. We had a lot of things to introduce. And honestly, listening, I listened back to it the other day. It does not feel like 17 minutes. That being said, it's still 17 minutes. So, guys, we'll have plenty of time in this relatively long movie for a kid's P- at somehow PG th- uh, PG movie um, to talk about stuff. But one of the – I just wanted to lay out a few pieces of facts, factoids for those of you out there who don't know – um, my specific relationship with Harry Potter, which is, Simi, as you know, I saw this movie at the bequest of my sister, bequest, behest, behest of my sister, who loved the books, and she she I, she did watch the first two movies a lot, as she was still kind of a kid, so I probably have seen some of those movies just from home, but she was like, you're really going to love this one, this is my favorite book, and it's darker, and it's different, and she was right, I love this movie immediately. If you guys go back and listen to, and this is sort of my like one or two just intro points, I'll, I'll let Sammy have final say, and then we'll get most of this uh, across during the film, which is... The first commentary I did for this two years ago <clears throat> was me as just a film watcher. Because while I've seen a number, I think I've seen three through six. So I haven't seen the first two. I haven't seen the last two. I know the lore. I've researched it on Wikipedia. I, all my friends love uh, love Harry Potter. I've talked to people about it. I've read a lot about it. So I kind of know where it's going. Spoiler warning, by the way, guys. If you're joining us, you probably have read and or seen the movies. But just uh, we will be talking spoilers right from the beginning. Um, uh, and so there's your warning. Um, but if you want just a pure film commentary where I treat it just like any other film because it's really the only one I know a lot about and I've seen a lot about, go back to that one. This one, Simi, we're going to be talking about the books, the movies, the conversion from books to movies, the fact that they were being written while some of the movies were in production, you know, uh, where the books are better, where the movies are, you know, better or more interesting, perhaps, uh, if that's a thing. Um, Any other last points about just um, I'm going to leave this to you, and then we're going to jump right in. I only things to for people to expect listening to this as a hardcore Potter book and film fan that people should be looking forward to you talking about. Because let's be honest, people, Simi's going to be doing most of the talking on this one. Uh, you know, I I've read a lot of the books. Uh, I've read all the books many times. I've listened to them on Audible. Jim Dale is. 
incredible. He does so many different voices for uh, the Audible. And um, also, not only is this people, this is most people's favorite uh, hands down movie, it's also a lot of people's favorite hands down book. Um, you know, it gets darker. There's a lot of great things they get into. Um, and, you know, we'll talk more about it, but the characters also, you know, develop into, uh, they're not so kitty kid and they, they start to see their own identities and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that as it happens. But, um, yeah, let's stay away from 17 minute intro and let's, let's, uh, let's get into some, <laughs> I mean, uh, let's, there's nothing wrong with a 17 minute intro when it's V for Vendetta, where there's an unbelievable amount of themes and so forth. But this one, yeah. Um, and guys, again, one of the things that's great about my commentaries with Simi, um, is he, he has a knack that I share of knowing when to hone in on what's going on screen and when to not worry about talking over it. Because let's be honest, Simi, people have seen this movie and read this book if they're watching this commentary. So we're not going to do a play-by-play uh, as we usually do. We do a great split of big picture play-by-play. <clears throat> it's just that Simi's going to be leading more. Again, guys, if you want more of a play-by-play and more of a just like, I love this movie, but I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, get my uh, commentary from two years ago. This will be much more uh, comprehensible, uh, inclusive, uh, and wide-ranging because of Simi's experience. So, Simi, with that said, you ready for me to give the little countdown spiel? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. I think I'm lined. Hold on. All right, folks. So, as usual, Q to zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds. We're going to count you down three to two to one. I'm going to say go. You're going to hit play. Subtitles, maybe. Ambient sound, perhaps. i leave that up to you. Simi, I'm really excited. <clears throat> I've only revisited this film uh, once, I believe, um, since uh, I did my recording a couple of years ago, and I'm excited to do it again. Here comes my cat, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, buddy, this should, this should be great, and I look forward to actually learning a lot from you in this one. Great. You, awesome. You ready for it? All right, guys, here comes the countdown. Uh, pause if you need to. Get set up. And uh, hopefully it'll line up great. And, and we're very excited to bring more uh, awesome uh, non-Star Wars sci-fi content to you. So here we go with the countdown. Three, two, one, go. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, go ahead. All right, so immediately something kind of cool about all the movies the warner brothers uh symbol in every movie gets darker and darker so from the first movie to the last movie the first movie it's pretty much the light symbol and by the end it's it's um, it's literally black Mm -hmm. uh like almost like an outline Mm -hmm. um so here's harry and he is at his uh, his cousin's, uh, his, his aunt and uncle's house. He was left on their doorstep literally mm-hmm. um, with a note from the he- one of the kind of heads of the wizarding world slash head of his school, Dumbledore, uh, saying that, uh, asking the aunt, uh, his mother's, uh, his mother's uh, sister to care for him because his parents were murdered by the evil dark lord. Now, not only were his parents murdered by the Dark Lord, he also uh, they tried. The Dark Lord tried to kill him, but the as far as we know up to this point, the curse ricocheted and annihilated the Dark Lord. We know the Dark Lord is still looming, but uh, Harry is the one who lived. He was survived. The, the Dark Lord was this evil wizard that went around killing everybody, and. Um, 
in the end, uh, he was the one who kind of destroyed him for that time period. Mm -hmm. But uh, the decision was to be left with his non-Wizarding World family uh, so he wouldn't be subject to all the fame that he would be subject Mm -hmm. to as the one who destroyed the Dark Lord. Um, The flip side to this, that Dumbledore's plan didn't work out as well as he could have, is this family is very abusive towards Harry. Um, Physically abusive, mentally abusive, verbally Mm -hmm. abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, They treat him like a slave. And um, this is uh, a scene where his aunt's coming to visit, and every summer he has to come back from Hogwarts, his school, where he learns to be a wizard, and live with his non-wizarding family. And he has to kind of deal and cope with their abuse uh, for a few months. So, you know, so I talk about how this was the scene that actually sold me on the movie, where there was almost no magic going on, except in the the very beginning with him under his covers. Because I wasn't expecting this very realistic view of England and the, the, this obviously sells the you know to the audience that both he and you as a watcher when you get to Hogwarts like I didn't even know what Hogwarts was other than from my sister and talking to people but I knew I wanted to get there because of these horrible horrible people and to me you know uh, so guys again uh, my play by play earlier commentary I'm going to be talking about big issues I'm going to be talking about the actors I'm talking about the director I'm going to be talking about the historical circumstances but to me I'm also going to be talking about the influences both the ones JK Rowling has specifically acknowledged like George Lucas which she talks about a lot and uh, once she has an knowledge and the person who's responsible for sort of modern what they call urban fantasy juxtaposing uh magic with people who don't know about magic in modern england or semi-modern england is neil gaiman the writer of american gods and neverwhere and stardust all of which have been made into successful movies and tv shows he wrote the sandman graphic novels which are considered the first modern adult uh, graphic novels and so forth and he's he's actually an english jew who now lives in woodstock new york if you can believe it neil gaiman that is um uh, and, and she's certainly drawing from that juxtaposition. So, so let me ask you this. When you started reading the book, was that an interesting concept to you? The fact that it wasn't like there was magic in the world and everyone knew about it or there were rumors? In some ways, in some ways, this is even more hidden than the Force, right? Because the Jedis are only d- gone for 30 years before the original movies, whereas here, there's no real confirmation to the muggles, the regular people, that magic exists. Well, I was originally attracted to, attracted to a that it's very written. The characters are written very well, mm-hmm. and the world, as I've talked to you about before, I really like mm-hmm. how worlds, if they're um, if they follow their own rules and they're creative and uh, consistent, and they can bring you in. I thought from yep. you know reading the first fifty pages of that book, sitting down, it just sucked me into the world, and I wanted I wanted to learn more. And I thought it was a good uh, uh, a good marry between. <laughs> Um, the muggle world and the wizarding world and, and like explaining how it actually happens and, you know, what they do mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to ultimately, uh, make you believe that this could, this could be real. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's happening here right now, just to give you guys an update, uh, as we divulge into other avenues. Um, so, so his aunt, uh, originally in the book, this was actually a week long visit. Uh, but in the movie, it's just this day. And her, his aunt is super abusive, as you saw. And she's just lacing into Harry. And Harry isn't really using magic. He's not meaning to do this. Uh, he's not using his wand or anything. Just younger wizards um, can sometimes have these little spouts of magic without realizing it, especially within anger. Because um, as you'll learn and as we'll learn more, a lot of magic comes from 
of shit and a lot of uh, magic is thrown, mm-hmm. like uh, feeling and 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 and, and how you uh, how you're getting into it, and they get into it a lot this way. Uh, in this movie specifically. And of course, you know, guys, I'm not going to dwell too long on the Star Wars com- uh, connections. A, because they're obvious, and B, because J.K. Rowling has specifically admitted it. But obviously, you know, this is related to outbursts of anger we see from Anakin or Kylo Ren, right? But this is like the relatable comedic kids version. And we're going to get back to the fact that Harry Potter has sold at least as many copies to non-kids as kids. But let's save that topic. But Simi, because we're not with the muggles very long in this movie. Do you mind? I actually know where the word muggle comes from. It is a real word. Um, do you? Uh, can I just ask you a f- few quick questions about the Muggles? Yeah, sure. So when you again, if you think back to when you started reading or getting into it, like, did that concept make sense to you? Again, you know how I'm always the one thing I don't love about some conceptions of the Jedi is some people have all the power of the Force and everyone else has nothing, and that seems to be the case here as well. Did, for, regardless of whether you were thinking about Star Wars, did those themes resonate with you? The fact that you know there was a the small elite with all this power, but because of the great characters, you're kind of rooting for them and not the horrible people who make up the majority. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's also that twinge in your in your heart like as you try to relate to these characters that maybe what would it be like if i was special what would it be like if i was a jedi what would it be like if i was a wizard so Mm -hmm. um and as they create these worlds it's easy for you to slip in and imagine Mm -hmm. yourself as Mm -hmm. you know maybe a character in the book or Mm -hmm. uh you know maybe a jedi maybe Mm -hmm. uh or or maybe a wizard and it just makes you your if you have an imagination which Mm -hmm. You probably do because you're listening to a podcast about science fiction books. Or you don't, and that's why you read Harry Potter. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean in a good way. Some people just have trouble daydreaming this stuff, and so it's perfect for them. Yeah, go ahead. So, by the way, they do a great job of making this is amazing, aunt and uncle and cousin yeah. awful. And so this is the third mode of transportation. So this is the night bus that's mm-hmm. going to be coming through right now. Yep. Um, I had an opportunity to actually get on the night bus when mm-hmm. I was in uh, Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to both in Florida and uh, in California. The one in Florida is a yeah. little bit more elaborate. They have a Hogsworth train that takes you mm-hmm. from, uh, uh, from Hogwarts yeah. to uh hogs can need I, and we'll get into yeah. that later as a cool part that goes out to the train the train go ahead. the train thing goes on for a while and i want you to talk about it so here's where the horror stuff starts in this movie this movie's rated pg I, I could not believe it there's so much scary stuff and death and so forth um yeah so me, that big dog would scare any yeah, like it scared uh, me in the theater it still scares me but to me really quickly up until this scene that's that first scene with the family you're going okay this is clearly an english or british director or an american who's very familiar with english movies or someone who's done a lot of kids movies nope the guy had just done one of the most (laughs) acclaimed and sexy uh you know rated r plus uh movies ever in itu mama tambien and was about to go on to direct arguably the most horrifying dystopian movie of all time in children of men also set in england and then you learn he's never done a kid's movie he barely speaks english do you know what his main assignment you you probably read this so this is rhetorical i think it was in the article that he gave the main three an assignment before this movie Oh, they, he wanted them to write an essay. An essay about, about their uh, character. 
And yeah, exactly. You you read this, Simi, but the, the, the responses of the three kids are exactly how they would respond if you guys know anything about these characters or the actors who play them. Emma Watson took it extremely seriously, wrote like a thousand pages. Um, you know, Harry turned in something good. Uh, Radcliffe turned something good, but not as long or in depth. And Ron didn't even do it. <laughs> Rupert uh, reportedly said uh, that uh, said, what are you going to do? Fire me? But it was, and I think he made up like this bullshit response. But like, that's, which, but what is true to the character? It was yeah. true to the character. But can I just add? The reason, one of the reasons I like stories is because it's cute and funny, and we're gonna probably tell other anecdotes. Um, but Simi, Harry's already won me over. I thought he was going to be yet another whiny, why me? You know, like Luke in the first ten minutes of the original Star Wars. You know, Anakin for a lot of the prequels type character. But the fact that he blows up, holds his ground against his terrible family, and then threatens them with a wand, so he leaves. You know, basically unkidnaps himself. But also the way, even though he gets bullied, he's not like boo hoo hoo. Emma Watson's going to defend me. He he's always standing up for himself. And but there is real fury and anger with Harry in this movie and dude Alfonso Cuaron the director talks about how it actually worked great coming from Me Too Mama Tambien which was about 18 year olds becoming 20 year olds and going from you know pre-teens to teens actually worked great for him and he integrated a lot of those character themes even though that was hard R and this is PG boom okay sorry I just went on for a so, while I just wanted to introduce the director no no worries so real quick so this film was this scene was filmed uh, with everything else going super, super slow and then uh, them going at a normal pace. Uh, that's how they filmed this scene. And then when mm-hmm. they uh, re- redid it, they slowed it up and sped down so it looked like mm-hmm. they're speeding through yep. everything, but they're really so, just going to normal point speed. Of order, point of order, as the... Yeah. As the well, technically, I'm the host, not so much on this one. Technically, technically I'm the host of the show of the Bizzle cast, I suppose, being the Bizzle. So, Simi, I, didn't, I, I don't want you to hold back book movie comparisons, but I, I would I would suggest um, that you, you, maybe you wait for ones, not where you necessarily like, you just like one more than the other, but one where you there's a reason why you like one more than the other, or you think it works better, or where the decision in the movie you agreed with even though it's different than the book. Does that make sense? Yeah, when we get into the meat potatoes yes. of that. That's why I'm, well, that's why I'm well, doing it now. That's what I'm saying absolutely. now. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So they go from a bus and then you think this is the transportation. Look how creepy this is. I'm I get scared every time I'm watching this movie how creepy it is. Um and then they go to a train, right? And so I mean we are getting the physical journey of being in bed with a glow stick and slowly working our way to Hogwarts. Another reason mainstream and casual fans love this movie is it's a secondary origin story for Harry Potter, for sure, and that helps get new characters in. Speaking of characters, the bus driver eventually, spoiler alert, is a Death Eater, like a bad guy. Um, and he rejoins the Dark Lord when the Dark Lord rises so, later on. We're not going to talk about the amazing older British actors in this movie yet because it's going to happen as soon as Simi sees them and he's going to go off about them and then I'm going to tell you some other movies they've been in um, and so forth. So I really look forward to that. But do you agree with me, Simi, that this was a great way? Or Let's be honest. The Star Wars a New Hope is divided between an hour and 15 minutes on Tatooine and 45 minutes in space, Right. This movie, yeah. he's with the Muggles for what ten minutes, and we're on the adventure already. 
Look at Not that. Even. Brief history of time. Stephen Hawking. Great. Which shows you that some of the muggles are actually smart and uh, want to learn things. I mean, it's so every every scene is precious and filmed amazingly. You know, I talk about Children of Men might be the best shot movie of all time. I think this is one of the best shot sci-fi fantasy and or children's films of all time. No doubt. Absolutely. So this is an interesting scene. Um, the this is like the president of the Wizarding World has come to uh, chat with Harry because he was worried about him. Mm -hmm. This is weird. So so far, how close are we to the book? Nothing big. It's just a little. Can I, they they just abridged can so I, far. Can I give my? Uh, I'm going to be pretty, even though I've never read a page, I love JK Rowling and think she's incredibly inspirational and brilliant. Um, follow her on Twitter and, the, and so forth. Uh, Simi, can I give you a, a short but important story about her relationship to Quaron and her vi view on this movie? Yeah. If you were an outsider knowing little to nothing about JK Rowling, how do you think she might react to this film? If Given you were an outsider? The changes that are going to continue to happen more and more as the movie goes along. As an outsider. Uh, you might I say I'm not thrilled about this and JK Rowling's probably not thrilled about this. Right. But that's not what happened at all. Not only I did she say, love it. I think they're yeah. very true to it. Uh, like I, th I thought they were, even but there are some went, major adaptation is yeah. there. Actually, I'll get into, there's a plot line yeah, that comes up really quick. Well, I'm just, gloss over. I just want to introduce this now to me because when they happen again, we need this precious early 30 minutes to get the themes out. Cause we need to do a long intro and then we get right. to Hogwarts and you'll just, it, you'll just go off on it. And trust me on this. But I do want to say that not only was Rowling, um, very happy with this. She wanted Quaron. Like that was her choice. And she was, not involved in the movie in terms of asking or making changes but they were giving they were, she was seeing the movie as it was being made she was on set she was like they say she was grinning ear to ear from beginning to end with this and Quaron and Quaron for his sake didn't even want to do it initially because he didn't read Harry Potter but his kids who I actually have met and that's a separate story because um, they went to Vassar and went to Wesleyan um, is that his kids said no dad you have to do this it's the same way uh, you know we, uh, Viggo Mortensen wasn't going to play Aragorn and his kids begged him to do it and Quaron said this was the two happy and he went right on to Children of Men after this he said this was the two happiest years of his life so love both sides especially J.K. Rowling go ahead buddy Gary Oldman's kids are actually also big fans of, uh, of Harry Potter as well. So they were excited when he, he signed on. And he had just taken oh, yeah. some time off. Well, like, um, like uh, you know, if you listen to interviews like Daisy Ridley or um, uh, Felicity Jones, they weren't necessarily huge Star Wars fans, but, like, all their brothers and dads and cousins were. And so, you know what I mean? Like, I, and that's, that's sort of how it is here. Okay, so topic will be visual effects in Harry Potter 2004. Mostly amazing. And even when it's a little two and a half D, like the Griffin door for whatever, the hippo Griffin later on that we'll talk about, it works because of how it's sold in the interactions. This looks amazing. And again, to me, <clears throat> what, what turned me off from some of the later movies, not turned me off, but made me realize I don't like them as much, is just over the top magic happening all the time. I like how slowly we're getting introduced to it. Again, an origin story that speaks to fans who might have not seen the first two movies, which were clearly kids' movies. Let's be honest, I mean, this is the first one that's really trying to appeal to a mass audience. And so far, again, putting myself in my shoes in 2004, it was working on all cylinders. He's already in a so hoodie. real quick. He's already in a hoodie, quick. not weird wizard robes. I love it. Go ahead. This is actually a huge plot point right now. I know it seems stupid. No. But, uh, but uh, Hermione's cat chasing uh, Ron's rat 
uh, will steam stupid up until the end of the movie if you've never seen this. So, movie. guys, spoiler alert. There's a, oh my god, look at that face. There's a major, major, major time travel. I mean, this whole story hinges around time travel. And uh, some of the scenes that seem to be character building, here's the brilliant thing, Simmy. All of these scenes are going to lead to time travel revelations later, and yet great character building. Okay, talk about the uh, Weasleys for me for a little bit, because as a redhead, I was thrilled that they kept adding more and more Weasleys. And other than Ron, they're all good looking or confident. Exactly. So the Weasleys are a great family, but sorry, real quick. So one of the things that are about the Weasleys is very, they're very poor. And they, this is the biggest thing that they just glossed over. That news clipping is very important as well to the plot line that they gloss over and uh, is very much more important uh, in the book. Um, and it's important at the end, too. Uh, so they're very poor and they're a very yes. lovely, uh, welcoming family. But yep. they just won the lottery and they went on this trip to uh to egypt and that was a clipping in the daily prophet the wizarding world newspaper Mm -hmm. uh you know just saying look at the weasleys they just won the lottery and they were in egypt um but that clipping is very very important okay uh, real quick i'm watching this i don't know again anything about these characters and i'm going this is the father he never had character right uh, yes just in no, terms of yes, in terms of looking out for his best interests and getting him to think introspectively i mean he you know his current father figure is so horrible anything well actually the real father figure is um we'll get back to because uh, it's important that's what i was getting yeah, back but, to, but, that's but in I terms said, of kind of <laughs> well, let me rephrase what i said in the world building leading up to this to me that I wasn't privy to from the earlier books and movies, I immediately bought that Harry trusted him and he was trying to look out for the best interests of Harry and so forth. Absolutely. And uh, they help and save each other at different points in the saga. Yeah. Um, and this family, this is a wizarding family that basically adopts him. Mm-hmm. Ron uh, is the first friend uh, that he makes while on on the train on the first way to on the first day to Hogwarts, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Hermione was the second friend that he made, and there the three this trio's relationship uh, as the main characters is um, an interesting dynamic to say the least, uh, uh, the, especially between Ron and Hermione. So you know it was clear to me after twenty minutes. What's a, that? Emma uh, Watson was going to be a superstar. I'd never seen her before. And B, Daniel Radcliffe was probably going to be a superstar, at least a great actor. It, the only thing that would hold him back is sort of the, oh, you're the Harry Potter kid. But if you see Daniel right. Radcliffe these days with his shirt off, my God. Woo! He is he's a sexy dude. He's things for himself. Yeah. yeah. And he's been in some great indie movies. He's kind of gone a different direction from Emma, which is totally cool. And I think, you know, eventually, after some years have passed from Harry Potter, well, we're going to see him in the big show, no doubt. But their, their also, talent was immediately uh, um, apparent to me. He wasn't whiny again, like the Star Wars, young Star Wars characters. And I know everyone makes fun of Rupert Grant, but A, that's his character, and B... I don't find um, Rupert Grant as an actor grading at all. Um, I'm also always sensitive to redheads being portrayed as idiots and or annoying because most male redhead characters in classic Hollywood movies uh, fit one of those characters. It's not true anymore, but it used to be. 
So Emma Watson's character in the book is actually supposed to be this like bushy haired, big tooth, ugly girl. And they did a horrible job of, of that <laughs> the first, second and third movie and the fifth, fourth and the fifth and the fifth movie. Uh, I'm sorry. In the fourth movie, she does blossom. She's supposed to start being good, uh, good looking. So and you're saying it should have um, been young rebel Wilson and the, Oh, sorry. I love you rebel. You're hot. It wasn't a good example. I was trying to get, no, no, close. no, not young rebel Wilson. Like, like, just Hollywood yeah. doesn't. So what do you're this. saying like, was it was a giant mistake and miscalculation for them to cast um, no, award-winning Emma Watson. <laughs> I love her. I'm just saying. Look, I, no, I honestly can't tell if you're being movie. sarcastic or not. <laughs> no, I do. I love Hermione. She's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I loved her in when right. she, because she stole yeah. the show. Yeah. Um, and had some of the most screen time. So in in all the movies. Okay. So, so here's real the, quick. What's happening here? Yeah. Shit. Go ahead. This is also on the ride. It, to Hogsmeade, uh, which is very cool, on the, and they do a very good job at Universal Studios, mm-hmm. uh, Florida. So these are the evil Dementors that suck ring the race. life I'm sorry. out uh-huh. of everything. Uh, and race. they guard the wizard prison, yeah. which we'll get into later on. Yeah. Um, and they're looking for Sirius Black, the man that... Um, that that Ron's father mm-hmm. uh, Arthur was just telling him about that that mm-hmm. has escaped, mm-hmm. um, and so there, uh, as you'll see, Harry has a very adverse reaction to being near them. <laughs> to Everyone this giant has a horrifying ring wraith character. Yeah, I would have an adverse yeah. reaction. Yeah, but more so oh, than you everybody mean this. else. You mean this? Yeah. Right. So everybody else is like having like the cold. Mm-hmm. They take all the life out of everything. They you, it makes you feel like all the happiness. This is called happen again. So guys, spoiler alert! I'm a giant fantasy nerd, so I'm gonna be introducing this. This is called necromancy, feeding off the dead, feeding off the living. Right. Exactly. And uh, Professor R. J. Lupin, who they're uh, introducing right now. Yeah, I'm gonna have um, a, a ma- major J- David Thewlis a thon at some point, but n- not quite because these are all key scenes to me. So I'm gonna keep going, buddy. Chocolate. Okay, oh, what I was going to say was, obviously it's great for Emma Stone that she's gorgeous and amazing actress, um, but... Emma Watson. Emma Watson, um, but it allowed her to be a totally different character from the book, which to me, they probably would have done anyways, but Hermione it seemed destined, again, as someone who reads books and watches movies, the, a character like Hermione seems destined to be able to make her different uh, in the movies. The way that like Jennifer Lawrence as Mystique in the X-Men, for example, is way different than Mystique in the book, but they play to Jennifer Lawrence's strengths, and it works much better. Yeah, and, and Hollywood doesn't do ugly. Like, Rupert's the ugliest person in this whole, like, everything. Dude, ladies know? think modern Rupert Grant is hot. I've, I've heard it. I've read it. Do you know what he does? <laughs> Porn? He owns an ice cream truck, Rupert. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what he does. He owns an ice cream truck in London. I mean, he's got all the money he ever needs. Well, think about how many people are going to go buy ice cream from Rupert. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Like he can just sits I, there and sells ice yeah. cream. Okay. C- can I tell you another thing about J.K. Rowling and the producers behind the Harry Potter movies? Uh huh. They did what I'm always t- so you know how like you know b- young Anakin's life was ruined, young John Connor in real life, young John Connor's life was ruined, and all this stuff because they were kids and their money wasn't taken care of and their family wasn't blah blah blah. The producers of Harry Potter said for something this epic and something they wanted to appeal to everyone and people have good feelings about for this long, they cast for the families more than the actors or as much as the actors. So it wasn't just bringing in the kids for screen tests and then doing a short interview with the families. There was extensive interviews over many, 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 many months, possibly longer, 
with the families and the friends and you know they want the kids to be in decent financial situation but not too rich and all these things they talk about obviously this was a special case with eight movies Simi but I'm sure you can both appreciate and you can just tell on screen the quality of the kids they're getting and the quality of the families in real life they're coming from was really important yeah i mean it, it just like any other family the the families that they came from mm-hmm. uh the bloodline if you will that we talk about like with the star wars crossover um you know it, it's the different personalities of you know whether your kid's mm-hmm. a shitty kid or not and um, and sorry yeah. to, sorry to jump in yeah go ahead in terms of this level of population in terms of kids being amazing actors is like soccer in brazil you know like one out of oh, eight yeah. brazilian kids who are athletic are probably good enough to be on one of the professional teams and in england all these kids study theater even in public school and a large it's like sending your kid to soccer academy when when they're teenagers a lot of these kids are acting from a young age but because it's so many of them they form a community and a friendship and they feel comfortable it's all in london everyone knows each other all these older actors support them know about them hang out with them it's not like picking in a random american kid and it gets skywalker and just throwing them in something huge right right uh and and also like the age of these kids i mean they started at 11 and and now they're 13 like kids these ages like shouldn't be as good like they're shitty actors at this age they like they think about all the shows like usually kids are not this this well done and all the side characters just for everyone to know the all these characters did all the movies so, you know, and different characters okay. come up more so in other parts, but yeah. they all grew up Potter yeah. together. We're going to get back to that. Timmy, talk about the uh, assembly of elders up here up front. A little introduction <laughs> to Gandalf. I mean, Dumbledore. So Gandalf, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is actually, so Dumbledore, this is not only the head of the school, this is the, like, one of the most important people in the wizarding community. He turned down being the president or the minister of magic, if you will, uh, because he um, he wanted to run the school because he thought running the school would be can, more important for the can, community. Can I ask an ignorant, never read the other books questions? Yes. Is this the first time in the movies where we see Dumbledore starting to act sort of like later Gandalf, where he's a little darker, a little more serious, a little more stern? Well, this is actually the first time we're seeing this Oh, Gandalf. that's right. The it's original the Gandalf actor. Yes. Was, um, was Harris. Yeah. Uh, uh, and actually, the first choice that they had, uh, yeah. Richard Harris was the original one, and he yep. did one and two, and then unfortunately he got uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma yep. and uh, really didn't want to get recast, God, and then he passed away. By the way, um, this is one of my favorite Harry Potterisms is just every picture and map can be moving at any time, but doesn't have to be, and it's always framed like old school stuff. But look at the background, the knight's acting like an idiot, and the pen, the, yeah. So did you know that... <laughs> she breaks the glass. It's a, yeah. <laughs> did you know that Gandalf was asked to Dumbledore. be... Dumbledore. Oh, Ian McKellen was asked to I know. replace him. Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, this yeah. guy is an amazing, legendary English actor. He clearly talks like Ian McKellen at times. There's no two ways about it. But they could be correlational, not causational. There's ghosts walking around. The kids have a sense of which are the good ghosts and which are the bad ghosts. Simi, I'm telling you, I'm seeing this movie not knowing any of Harry Potter. Everything is making sense. I can't stress it enough. And by the way, when I make little jokes about uh, Star Wars, uh, this is for you, Simi, and the audience. When I make some jokes about connections with star wars and lord of the rings it's because a they're obvious b uh she she uh acknowledges it but c she also um 
J.K. Rowling. Oh, this is great. I'm going to shut up for a sec. I love this scene. So they're eating candies, and the candies make them do what? And that's where they let Ron be a badass, by the way. That was important. (laughs) He has his moments. He's important. No, but I think what's going on there is even though they seem to be random things coming out of them when they they do it, it it does reflect a part of their personality. And Ron, while he's lazy and kind of dumb, is kind of fiercely ferocious when it comes down to it. You know, Harry's blowing off steam, literally. I mean, thoughts are going into this whole thing. The thing is, I mean, movies I love like this, sometimes I notice that little stuff or stuff in the background on later watches. I was noticing it in the first watching. Um, I don't know what it was. I mean, I was there with my sister and I was feeding off for harry potter you know a karma vibes or whatever um but I, I i was totally in but anyways to finish my thought and we'll get to the beautiful nature first of all they made a conscious decision to go to scotland get outside the school and spend a lot of time outside be to wear plain clothes when they're not in class and so forth um but simi to me this this was already feeling like such a much more adult movie um oh but what i was saying was guys I, i'm not mocking it i'm gonna make connections jk rowling makes those connections and sh- the best fantasy and sci-fi writer signed me Simi, and I'll shut up, is because Emma Thompson's amazing. Best sci fi fantasy acknowledges openly the past and em- embraces it and includes it. People who try and write completely new fantasy, completely new sci fi, quote unquote, almost never works. And so J.K. Rowling says, Look, I love Star Wars, I love Lord of the Rings, I love old myths and folktales. Like, I'm going to do my own version of it. And that's why she succeeds because of that. Go ahead. So, Hermione, uh, Emma, Emma Watson, Emma Thompson is one of her favorite actors. And she, um, it's funny, they, um, the, as you'll see in this scene coming up, they bump heads. So, like, her, the character, she, they, they kind of hate each other, but in real life, uh, Emma Watson loves her. She's so like the anti-Snape, kind of right? Thing. She's like exactly yeah. the opposite of Snape. <laughs> well, no, she's not as evil, this woman. She, uh, she's just, just uh, she's the opposite. Oh, she's she's a hippie. She's a peace-loving hippie. He's this, you know, like a borderline dark, dark lord figure. We'll get to that. Emma Thompson's great in this role. She's act to be like one of the wackier people among many wacky people, and she she nails it. Those glasses are great. They're like Maz's glasses. And Simi here. I mean, there's a major major time travel event that's already happened here, and maybe happens numerous times. Absolutely. Also, Emma Emma Thompson's character is very important. Um, as we'll learn uh, later on, because she is the her she's a seer's uh, granddaughter, and that's why she became a seer. Yeah. She's not very good at it, mm-hmm. but she has done two prophecies. Yep, um, and both pertain to Harry Potter, and they are the Harry Potter prophecies. And dude, so oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I was just gonna, was gonna heap praise on that what you just said and build on it, which is. This movie, you think about it, and you're like, one of the reasons it's great is it's just about, about the main three and main two, ultimately, for the second half, but it's also great because the four or five legendary English actors, which would be the, who would be there anyway to be their teachers and senior figures and so forth, all, I think every single one, Simi, of the big four or five in this movie has direct actions and interactions and effect on what's going on on the kids' story other than just being their teachers, which is brilliant. Absolutely. Well, because it's a, they're also their oh, parents at some level while they're there. So this is Hagrid, and he is he just got promoted okay. um, from uh, caretaker. He's still keeping his uh, caretaker, uh, keeper of keys and caretaker of Hogwarts, but he's also now the care of magical creatures teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, Professor Baines retired. So 
Uh, Hagrid also was just sent to the evil... So this is very important. In the last book, Hagrid was sent to the wizard prison. In the last movie, in the last book, he was sent to the wizard prison for being falsely accused of opening the Chamber of Secrets again. So... uh, You got Ahsoka'd. One of these things that's really fucked up is... That's the thing. Ahsoka got put in a, a holding cell. She didn't go to like the worst fucking prison in the ever known to man. Well, she could have, Azkaban. and she left the Jedi Order specifically right, so that wouldn't happen. That's what's fucked up about the Wizarding World. Yep. There's no holding cell. They just send you to the to Azkaban, which is this where the Dementors are, and the Dementors run the, the prison, and it's the worst place in the world. So go. you could literally go crazy mm-hmm. for being wrongly, yeah. uh, not even wrongly held, just being yeah. held because yeah. you're being you're being not convicted, you're being tried. Uh-huh. So during the trial, he was being held at oh, Azkaban. No. Oh, so no, anyways, this is so cruel. So they're fucking with Harry. Uh, oh, so guess what time- happens here later? Ba-ba-boom in the face. Well, there's some foreshadowing. So every time Harry sees those Dementors, he hears his mother die. Yeah. Um, they get into yeah. that more in the books, but that's yeah. that's what uh, yeah. that's why it's so you know painful, and that's mm-hmm. why he kind of faints because he's seen real terror. Um, uh, look at Emma so, but- oh, smiling. Okay, okay. Wait, can I talk about this real quick? Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at this big screen. Sammy, some things look better on small screen, like the prequels. And when I put them on the big screen, they don't look as good. This looks better on the big screen than the small screen. I sometimes think this animal's two and a half dimensions. But do you know why it works? I have three reasons why this animal works. One, it's extremely important to the story. Two, it's just appealing looking and its movements are very natural. But three, the way they ultimately touch it at least once, obviously, and, and you know, have an adventure... It's all about the connectivity. You know, like there's Jar Jar, for example, where he grabs, you know, they grab Jar Jar's tongue a couple times. Like, that's like the only like physical connectivity. The way to to sell this stuff is to have a lot of touching, even if you can tell it's CGI, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. And also, again, like what you were saying, like to make it realistic, like this looks, this looks like a, a horse with wings and a, yeah. a bird's bo- a bird's yeah. head instead so, of a horse head. Here's so why this is so too far fetched. This is why this is so impressive. So, you know, in the second, third Lord of the Rings movies, we get huge thousands of horses running into battle shots with the, the, the Rohan people. Mm-hmm. They were like this model, but how it moved but it, there was thousands of them and they didn't have a lot of close-up shots here they're putting it all in one animal that's not even a normal horse and having it up close with detail is extremely high level difficulty i think this is the first time the harry potter movies had tried this partially because they're in scotland and outside and so forth it's interesting that you mentioned that because in the books uh there's a bunch of a uh, buck beats the main one because of what's about to happen um, and that's why the buck beats the main character hippogriff. But there are many hippogriffs mm-hmm. in this uh, care magical creature mm-hmm. lesson. It's not just Buckbeak. I think also having watched the prequels numerous times recently, I, I watched this and I'm like, this is gorgeous animating. No offense, George Lucas. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a good looking bird. Look at this. This looks great to me. Like you see the Hobbit movies now, man, doesn't look that much better, honestly, to me. But this is just one. They're animating thousands up close in the Hobbit movies. Here we go. This is 
we said this is 2004 Four. or 2004 yep. this is 2004 yeah, this is so the, this is this is the year decade this is, and a half ago dude and this was the first thursday spot they owned after lord of the rings owned uh i'm sorry november spot 010203 this was november 04 this was the fantasy movie after the lord of the rings in 04 it was so important i actually um this is I, you were asking me earlier. You said Sophie's Choice, you know, Star Wars or Harry Potter, and I, I went Star Wars. But Lord, I know you're a big Lord of the Rings guy, but Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, I'm, I'm Harry Potter. I mean, I like the Lord of the Rings. Oh sure, but you you take those seven. You don't see both movies against yeah. these seven movies, mm-hmm. or wait, wait, or six, six movies, right? Absolutely, and I think that's great because right. they're two radically different visions of English uh, fantasy based on English folk tales and so forth. <laughs> Like, like you know, let's say at least ten to twenty percent of what's going on in Harry Potter at all times, at least is there's either magic happening in the foreground or the background, right? Like at all times, for the most part, magic is happening, even when it's not these scenes. In Lord of the Rings, Gandalf uses magic probably three times in all of the book trilogy. Like it's just different. Lord of the Rings is about restraint of magic, whereas Harry Potter is embracing and getting better and learning it, which is more like Neo in the Matrix, I would say. This could have been completely cheesy, and instead it was pretty majestic. And mm-hmm. these scenes look uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings esque. I mean, from, di- from a different perspective, it doesn't look like they're necessarily in Scotland, but right. uh, you know. And that's the. F- but that that's also the. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, does can I put, put this in the form of a question? Because Lord of the Rings has very little magic. It's about restraint. The Force, there's major Force powers, but the Jedi are the, a good guy's Jedi are trying to restrain themselves whenever possible. Does that happen over time in the books and movies later where Harry is is forced to make difficult choices about not to use magic or solve problems? I mean, in this movie, they solve a lot of problems without magic if you don't include time travel. So uh, I think it's a good – there's a happy medium, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so this but is not just really like – I guess what I'm asking is it's happening. not just like power up, power up, power up, power up the whole time kind of thing. No. Yeah. No, there's a better flow to that. that's so a video very, game. That's not a story. You know, that's a video game. Right. No, there's more content. There's more character development. It's not just like the Matrix where it's just like one level after another. Like there's a lot going on and it all links together. Um, and this was a big piece, too, that like, you know, he like the teacher. And his told family's him, rich, right? And that's why they kill the fucking hippogriff. So that's the that's the evil uh, that's the bad guy in the story as you saw him you know really making fun of Harry earlier and he uh, his family has a history of being dark wizards and they were um, they lied and said they you know were never working for him and so they they, because they're rich they got away with it. By the way, you know the Alfonso Cuarón who's never done anything like this again has won an Oscar for a movie I've never brought up because it's not one of my favorite movies, even though people love it. It made a lot of money and won an Oscar more recently. Do you know the movie? No, I don't. What is it? Gravity. Oh, I knew that. I, yeah, because I, I, re- I saw some headline, Gravity director uh, saves Harry Potter or something mm-hmm. like that. I think that was the... And his best friend, um, who directed The Revenant and Birdman, won back-to-back years. And the three of them, who are best buddies from Mexico, won the Academy Award three years in a row. Very impressive. 
I saw Gravity on an airplane. That's a mistake. Big mistake. It was fine in the theater. Not one of my favorite movies, right. but it's a totally a theater movie. But point yeah, is, even when TV. he's doing sci-fi, it's mostly Sandra Bullock floating through space, emoting and having memories. It's not this kind of stuff. He barely speaks English. So it was more than having translators. It was There had to be some of his crew there along with the English Harry Potter crew. And, and, and yet, I know the actors to me talked, the main actors talked about Quaron in particular was probably the director that had the biggest sort of single movie influence on their acting chops. Um, I, they've all said that. Certainly Emma and, and, and Daniel have said that. So this is the Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Uh, and Lupin uh, that they met on the train is now the, 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 the teacher. Of this. By the way, so, div- believable amount of diversity here. Well done, Harry Potter. Well done. That wasn't sarcastic. That actually is, it looks great. Yeah. So this is a bogart that they're going to get into. And uh, there's a lot of things uh, that they've, a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of hints are given in this uh, upcoming scene. And it's also kind of fun what's going to happen because they have a good, uh, uh, I can only imagine Alan. Uh, is this the first time he's being seen? In this form. So I'm going to save my Thulis because this is a great scene. But I have a David Thulis rant about how the best work he's done, almost anyone's done, is in movies that most people haven't seen or don't know it's him. Go ahead. Uh, so they haven't really done a great introduction of uh, Alan, uh, Alan Rickman. Well, who's, yet, that, who's, I'm going to leave Rickman to you. I know you love Rickman. Uh, God rest his soul. I'm literally going to pour some beer. Did you see Eye in the Sky right now? Uh, before he died, about the drone movie no. from a year or two ago. It was a very no, tense drone movie with him and uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad um, and a couple famous oh, older British that. actors. It's a very tense 90 minute. Uh, should we blow up this Kenyan uh, village or not thing with the Americans and English um, with the drone there? Uh, the, the, the Ethiopian guy who was nominated from Captain Phillips is in it as a spy for them. It's great. And that was Rickman's last great role. He might have been dead at that point or died shortly thereafter. Uh, but for the most part, I'll leave Rickman to you. Just leave me some room for Thulis. But let's talk about this scene. Go ahead, buddy. So, so this Bogart that we've been talking over, what's happening. So this Bogart, what it does is it takes the form of the fear. It also is another necromancer. It feeds on fear. Um, and it, uh, uh, it turns into your biggest fear. And the only way to turn it into, uh, to make it die is to laugh at it, is to make it d- disappear. So you have to turn it into something funny. So Snape, the potions teacher, Alan Rickman, who is such an awesome actor he's so awesome look at how cool that he is he was able to like laugh at himself and do this scene look at that he's actually supposedly uh they they all had a really great relationship uh him and the kids there's a great story that uh uh hermione and rupert and uh radcliffe they're all in the car and they went and got ice cream in his brand new uh like classic car or something and they all spilled he stopped short or something they all like right. dumped their ice cream all over his brand new car mm-hmm. but they all everybody loved each other on this uh set they all had yeah. a really good time they, yep. they were like family apparently so um there were very few predictions about the rest of the series i could make this is great seeing him and in, in drag oh no yeah i you mean it's, shut it's, up it's, bizzle this is the this is turning point of the beginning of the first part of the movie send me the scene i'm gonna shut up let you talk so Rupert, Ew, also, this looks uh, scarier than uh, Shelob. Oh, so Ron is afraid of spiders, and so is Rupert. So, so then they laugh at it. So now it's Harry's turn, uh, and 
Oh, sorry. One more. We're almost Harry, to Harry's. You got to do he, two. It's always the third in movies. Right. And some random character, of course. No. 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 I hate snakes. I actually like that this doesn't look totally real. I'd be scared out of my mind. I think I mentioned that in my first commentary. I'd be so scared. I've seen live fucking cobras, man, in Africa. It is not a great sight. So, uh, he freaks, he forgets that he thinks Harry, uh, he thinks the bogger's going to turn into Voldemort. But instead, it turns into a Dementor. Oh, and then look at that. Now, I mean, this is like from a horror alert. movie. Look what it turns into. What? So this is why is mm-hmm. why is uh, Lupin's mm-hmm. bogger the moon? So that's some great foreshadowing. Can there. I ask you to just pure speculation? Yeah. Would the Dementors have looked exactly like Ringwraiths had it not been? I'm not saying they did it on purpose, but after lord of the rings um even though they're spirits here and physical see dude that's a um that's exactly an example of the difference is the ring race and lord of the rings are very physical they fight physically they can poison you by touch they stab they have swords they have horses they're kind of bleeding black shit here they're you know hyper magical they they suck it out yeah they suck out the ring race have magical properties but once sauron created them that they were that sort of being there's not this sort of uh, i mean this is more like the force in, in harry potter where there is sort of the force for lack of a better term everywhere and the magicians are tapping into it lord of the rings has mostly to do with objects and passing on physical traits like person person or, or creature to creature i think both are cool and interesting it's just an interesting contrast right I think the, the the Lord of the Rings was scarier. Obviously, they right because it's physical. Use. But this is in right. some ways more interesting. And then you're like, oh, can the Dementors take other forms? You know what I mean? Like you don't know. Like in Lord of the Rings, you kind of learn the limitations of the Ring Race. How as powerful as they are here, it's kind of scarier. The the way this way is scarier is that you don't really know where they're going to appear, when, and how. I guess would be my yeah. So the the thing that's scary about Dementors. So Dementors don't see. Uh, but they're really a they're really a disgusting beast, as uh, uh, Dumbledore refers to them. They're really a beast. They're really uncontrollable because they feed. They're like uh, they're, they they feed off of of uh, happiness. So this is actually which is what they're what they're talking about right now. But um, so they guard Azkaban and they slowly kill their uh, the the prisoners there, and it's really fucked up i mean it's it's complete abuse like uh, the wizarding world has some crazy rules like just the concept of azkaban would keep me up at night as a 12 year old or 11 year old like like I, they torture them every day like it's not like you have to make license plates or like you know do laundry all day long or something remedial annoying awful task uh it's not like that it's like literally sucking life out of you on a daily basis it's, yeah. it's pretty evil so, talking about the mom. So, uh, one of the big twists I do know about is that Snape is ultimately a good guy-ish and was in love with Harry's mom, right? And tried to save her? Yeah, that gets complicated. But uh, roughly that, that happens. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So, here's... And ultimately yeah. is protecting Harry. Spoiler yeah. alert. 
Yeah. By the way, Emma Watson's already won me over. Again, I'm talking about the first time I saw this. Emma Watson's already won me over in the movie. And this is like the second or third scene where Harry's really winning me over. Emma just smacks you in the face with how talented she is. Radcliffe, these subtle moments are... are I mean, there are not a lot of kids... You can tell he's been acting his whole life. And this is my Brazilian soccer thing, right? Like, you can tell... Whether, mm-hmm. they're, whether they're disciplined or not, the Africans and the Brazilians are the best. That's why France just won the World Cup, is they have a bunch of Africans but under a disciplined uh, coaching system. But right. Because w- what do you do in a poor country when you have nothing but a soccer ball? You literally play soccer all day. It, it, and this is just as ingrained in the English culture, right, Simi? So you can tell these aren't 10-year-olds who started acting when they were 7. They're 12-year-olds who started acting when they were, like, 3. Right. And they, they were... They're the, it's the Mickey Mouse Club of America. You know what I mean? Like, and for those who don't know the Mickey Mouse Club, you know, uh, Britney Spears, uh, 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 Justin Timberlake, uh, you know, everybody who's uh, uh, Drake. This is scary uh, to me. This be- creeped me out. Before Degrassi, you know, they were all in this fucking Mickey Mouse Club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's like, you know, breeding actors, dancers, singers of tomorrow. Talk a little bit about so, the two Dumbledores and the one who ended up being the iconic one, which is this guy. So he ends up doing the the bulk of the series, uh, Michael. Um, uh, bulk of the uh, series, dude. <laughs> Gambon, uh, and he um, he ended up being people's more favorite. The other one to me was more of a grandfather, and this one's more of like yeah. you know a sturdy headmaster. Not a fair comparison one, though, because this is, again is the first of the adults. Uh, our teen movies it, you know so it's a totally different role and this, but this also, movie should be pg-13 and the following ones would be go ahead right but also like this his role becomes very physical at times and i wonder what that would look like uh with the older uh you know morris uh doing it but uh, i love morris's portrayal Can- of it and um, at some level, I see if someone yeah. says who's Dumbledore, I see Morris mm-hmm. in my head, even though, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think he was the better Dumbledore in the end. Mm-hmm. Can I make the the subtler and less obvious Gandalf connection or one of them, which is part of the power of these two men is knowing when not to do stuff and letting other people do stuff. Um, and what's interesting to me, remember I talked about the main f- like Emma Thompson uh Thulis, um, Alan Rickman, like the main, you know, older people characters all have major, major, major plot or character roles in this movie. Dumbledore is sort of in the background. And not only that, he admits at the end that Hermione has to be the one to save anyone. And he's just going to sit there and hope that she does it, which is a great twist. Well, just like any... Sorry, just like, excuse me, I lost my throat. Just like any good teacher, you know, you have to let your students learn by their mistakes, you know, and let let things unravel for their, you, you know, to become a good student, you have to grapple with problems. You can't just give them the answer. Mm-hmm. So he lets them grapple with problems um, and uh, consistently only gives them just enough to figure it out on their own, um, as you yeah. see. And that, that, that teaching philosophy um Mm -hmm. you know you'll see time and time again throughout this entire series like giving you uh not all the tools not even some of the tools maybe some directions on where to find the tools and to make the choices um but really allowing you to to build your own path and hoping you make Mm -hmm. the right choices And, Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes he oversteps sometimes he understeps um but as he says many times he says he's a man with uh who makes many mistakes and has many flaws. 
Yeah, that's as an understatement. All humans do. Yeah, right. But that's yeah. you know, as did Moses. You know so, what I mean? Like, but here's the thing, Sammy. I agree with everything you said, and that was where I was going. But in this movie, like from the rules of time travel, Emma Watson does have to be the one to do it. Like he couldn't do it even if he wanted to with what's going on with the time travel. But he accepts the, his fate and, and doesn't oversell it to give her the Messiah speech. Which is what's great about Emma Watson is she's arguably at this point more powerful. You know, certainly more confident. But because she's not Harry Potter, we don't have to hear the Messiah, you're the chosen one stuff all the time. Is in some ways more interesting and makes her character more flexible and more interesting. Well, he deals with you're the Messiah and you're the chosen one later on in the books as that becomes more with clear. Harry. Right now it's with Harry. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, it gives freedom yeah. and flexibility to Hermione's character and the actress who plays her. Right. So Snape is taking go. over for Lupin's yeah. class and yeah. he is now uh, giving a lesson on how to um, identify a werewolf. But sir... Are, in the books, are you meant to, for almost the whole course of the series, not sure whether he's a good guy or bad guy, and B, did you buy it in the books and or the movies that he might actually be a bad guy, like a full-on bad guy? Oh, I think, first of all, I, there's a, the, he has a very interesting relationship with Harry. Uh, he, the, you, you've touched on earlier that he loved uh, his uh, mother, uh, Lily, uh, but he hated, hate, loathed his father. So I believe, actually, I was thinking about this last night when I was watching one of the other movies. I wonder if Harry was a girl, if he would have really liked her. Like, if he looked like Lily, I don't think he would have had a choice but to be nice to her. Like, he couldn't be mean to her. But because he looked so much like his nemesis, other than the eyes, they always say Harry Potter looks so much like his father. Uh, but other than the eyes, the eyes are, are Lily. Did he hate his father jealously or his dad was actually a dick or both? Both. Okay. Both. So, by his the way, we missed the Emma Watson, quote unquote, being late, <laughs> which I love. Right. She keeps uh, showing up out of the blue. So here's Simi, um, th- there's. There's two reasons I love time travel movies in particular, which I want to bring up here. Um, and maybe we can revisit it. The first is the obvious one, which is just the trippiness of it the first time and watching them again to disentangle what's going on when. But the other thing is, which is related to that, is it makes the movies incredibly rewatchable, not just because you're looking to figure it out, but because it it adds to to the sort of newness of scenes each time you watch it because there's so many layers of what's going on. And there's no scene in this movie that isn't a great scene as is, even without the time travel. And then you add the time travel and it's like, the last 30 this m- minutes of this movie, it just always blows me away. Okay, here we go. Even I knew what this was. So if you haven't seen these movies, uh, the content for this, this is the game of Quidditch. Quidditch. This is the equivalent of uh, football in America or football in Europe. Um, and it is the wizard game played on brooms. Uh, and the goal is to throw a ball through these rings and not get hit by the bludgers. Um, and someone needs to catch this little gold things with wings. When they catch the gold thing with wings, mm-hmm. they um, they win. So this is they don't emphasize this in the in the book or in the movie, but in the book, this is really fucked up uh, because Malfoy is injured. Uh, they they they're supposed to play Slytherin. They're supposed to play Slytherin Malfoy's team in Quidditch, but they're because Malfoy's injured. 
they they're allowed to not forfeit the game and reschedule it. So they end up playing Hufflepuff instead of Slytherin. And uh, as you'll see, what's about to happen. Uh, Harry was about to win the game right there and grab the snitch, and the Dementors show up, and everything goes awry, and he is fucked. So this is another thing. Two, that, sorry, I have that two I'll big questions for you. In a you, moment, yes, yeah, shoot. But they go totally different directions. I'm not sure which. Uh, I guess I'll start with the Dementors since it's happening right here. What's sort of the cosmology of the Dementors? Like meaning, like. Well, Again. the costuming is a, a puppet, actually, if you'd like to know. Yeah, but and it looks it What are looks they made like up it. of? Mm-hmm. Yep. What are I'll, they made up of? No one knows. But who who do they... Do they directly serve um, they are the their Dark own Lord? Beast, and they are, they are a dark beast. They're a dark, dark beast. Whoa. Right now, they're under... Okay. Right now, they are under the... Um, the control of the ministry and they because they love sucking on souls so the ministry has them watch the prison so they suck the souls out of these people all day and they get to feed so you know it's like they're like vamp it's like what if there were vampires and like you know instead Mm -hmm. of people going to prison Mm -hmm. it's actually exactly like this Instead of going to prison, not only are you in a like a shitty prison, mm-hmm. like once a day someone comes and sucks your blood. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they don't kill you; they just they like slowly drain you and drain the life. Oh, out by of the you, way, right? Uh, so it's basically exactly like this. So the, if you're a vampire, why wouldn't you just yeah. you know hang out at this fucking place? I fucked uh, up, dude. And get free blood. I meant to have a do? drinking game going about how many times Harry Potter gets knocked out. It's at least three, maybe four. Uh, so. Uh, we'll have to I think watch it's from here. Four. Yeah. I think it's four, <laughs> which is a very cheap trick uh, if for directors and writers. Um, it's really easy to set up scenes following that and lead up to people getting knocked out. That being said, this is also part of the time travel charade that's happening in a way, and so it all it all works out. And it's meant to disorient you as a watcher, so that when the time travel stuff starts happening, it, uh, it, it kind of that mood has been set, I guess, because there's gaps in his memory and so forth. So I want to just explain what just happened. In the yes, book, please. basically, and in the movie, he's basically about to run across the finish line. This is the equivalent of it for people who don't know what just happened. He's about to run across the finish line, mm-hmm. and a zombie jumped out of the stands and started eating his brains. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or not eating his brain, started biting his arm. Or a vampire jumped out of the, the stands, I'll stick with that analogy, and started sucking his neck when he was inch away from winning the game. And for some fucking reason, they lost the game. It's crazy, right? So that was Anyways. my other question, big question I want to ask during that when you were describing between book and movie. You're, you're talking about book and movie. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that these movies are already fairly long for kids, quote-unquote kids movies, at over two hours, um, do you think in the movies, as a reader of the books, they strike a nice balance between world-building and just getting on with the story and, the, and the, like, the visuals, the way that I think Game of Thrones has been inconsistent in that, in that category, you know? Um, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's put the, like, let's put, it's like, you know how we talk about the people who see Rogue One once or twice versus the people who see it a bunch and read the books and so forth, you know, the different experience you have? I know that's a smaller example. That's one I can kind of relate to more. Um, because let me just put it this way. I love this movie to death. I, 
and it had no problem with the amount of world building they were doing. I loved it. And even the movies I loved less that came after this, that was never a complaint of mine. But as a reader, interested to hear if you think they explain enough, too much, etc. Um, I Look, I think all, all the movies did a great job. Um, this one and all of them, obviously, for content and whatever, they skim over certain things and they're like, eh. So, so to me, mm-hmm. I wish that they redid the movies with I mean, a new can you cast even, Here's a question years. I keep dancing around, Sammy. Yeah. Can you even watch these movies as a movie watcher purely? Is that even possible, just knowing yourself? Yeah, I honestly... Um, I honestly only physically read the books through once. I've listened to them on Audible ten uh, times. Well, no, but that's so, that's still ten times. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, physically read the book. So, um, You just said Audible. That's physically right, reading it through right. your ears. Anyways, my point is... Right, right, right. Same thing. But what I'm, I'm saying, saying like, is you've seen all the movies ten times. You've seen. Let me let me try and make this question real. You've seen all the movies and times. So what, I guess what I was asking before is, when you are watching this as a movie watcher, does it work equally well to being kind of a visual supplement to the movie when you're in that state of mind uh, to the book when you're in that state of mind? If that makes well, sense. Well, that's what I was going to say about with the audible. Yes. Like it just creates the the. I yes, see. all these characters did. They they did right. a great job. Everyone is exactly how I. And I did the audible before some of the movies too. Yeah. Um, so like they are what they what I yeah. think they okay. are. You give know, me, they give did me a one great more shot describing. That's yeah. that's great stuff. Give me one more shot here. I'll, I'll go with a more specific question. Uh-huh. Do they mostly, in your opinion, cut the right stuff that we knew tons was going to have to get cut in terms of exposition in the movies? That's they don't have enough time with the giant books. Did they mostly yeah, cut the right stuff? Yeah. And keep the right stuff. I guess is what I I'm asking. I can't complain. I can't complain. But at the end of the day, I wish they did. Yeah. But I, do you, I wish they did the okay. full. I wish they did the full thing. They can't though. They that would be a twelve-hour movie. I mean, it, it, well, it should be. Well, that's why they're doing. By the way, by the way, that's why they're spending half a trillion dollars on a Lord of the Rings multi-season series on Amazon to give that material more time. Maybe we'll see well, that with yeah. Harry Potter. That's what I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying. Right, like, but right, but I'm saying as is, as is. Let me put it this way: you you say one and three are your desert island Harry Potter, but. Let's say from four to eight, the extent to which you like or don't like those movies comparatively, does it have anything to do with the conversion from the book or is it the movie making itself? So I guess what I'm saying is this, well, does not feel like a normal Alfonso Cuaron movie. It feels like a movie that is worthy of his brilliance. Um, And so I'm just curious about your experience over the course of the series as a reader and a watcher and what that experience is like. Yeah, I know it's a tough, ginormous question. You don't have to answer it all here. I also watch the movies once a week. Like I fall asleep watching either one, mm-hmm. three, six. Okay. So for you, it's just a smooth, time. continuous experience, which is they're all great. It's it, they're great. They're supplements for each other. Like mm-hmm. you know, I would never tell someone you shouldn't watch that movie. It's yeah. trash. Like okay, can like, I make this personal, more specific? Yeah. When you heard I love this movie and then told you I didn't really know any other Harry Potter, did that make sense to you? Is that weird? Do you know other people like that? We haven't actually talked uh, about that. I, I think, you know, I, I'd actually compare it to people with Star Wars, that some people have just seen, like, one or two Star Wars movies. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm surprised seeing this one that you haven't gone and finished them all because I think they're pretty good. Because I've seen I, four, I, five, I, and six and grew tired I'm surprised you as it went along. Seven. I'm surprised you haven't seen seven. I just that, got tired of it. I, I'm, I'm trying to reserve. I have one very specific criticism of this movie, which I'm going to save. Um, uh-huh. 
uh, which has nothing to do with any flaw in it. It just has to do, again, Sammy, as you pointed out, with my taste in fantasy. I don't like a lot. I like fantasy where heavy magic is possible, but it's very, very, very rare and restrained. Let's be honest. What's the best fight in Lord of the Rings one-on-one? One of them is Saruman and Gandalf using invisible energy. There's no fireballs or anything. You know what I mean? Like Gandalf I, I, the Grey. Yeah. yeah before his transformation. When they're just right. using like force poles and force throws, essentially, with their, their staves. Um, but uh, yeah, that, so that's my main criticism is I find the amount of... Uh, uh, visual and especially audio uh the sound can be really intense with all the magical stuff uh, uh, hijinks um that go on to me in the movie and yet they know the reason i love this movie is there's only one major thing having to do with magic in the second half of this movie and it's totally time travel which is a sci-fi thing and it's we don't even learn about it so much later so them just escaping nature and running around together is ultimately what i love about this movie um is i don't is that weird no, it's a great movie. These these movies are great. They for me like I'm I'm like, you know, a, a monkey. Like you can just trick me. You know what I mean? So as long as the world stays cuz the second I think the world is staying consistent, mm-hmm. you can do as much magic as you want as long as as long as the rules, you know, apply. As the second you <laughs> fuck it up, that's when I'm like, "Eh, what are you doing?" But um, you know, What I'll other keep- movies what of the other 5 after 3? Um that look like Charlie Cox. Um, from from four to si- uh, seven is or eight. Uh, is there one that you think does character development particularly well, like this one? Maybe that would be one I'd go back towards. I mean, I know they all do, but one that's so character heavy, you know. In, well, six yeah. six does a lot of character development specific, specifically for Voldemort, for the bad guy. So I have to check that out. Uh, and 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 a lot of lore. Uh, and it goes into it when he was a child and it has a lot of flashback scenes and does another, um, it's not time travel. Okay, it's, I uh, need you here. Glimpses. What, yeah. what, what event are they talking about here that he's spying on? I'm never quite sure what they're referring to. So, uh, this, the main, what they're, they're revealing right now for the first time that, um, that Harry's, uh, that Sirius Black was responsible for, uh, Harry's parents' death uh, because he was their quote secret keeper, and if you could, if there was a secret keeper, he could. Uh, they could never see Maggie where Smith. They were by hiding. the way, God bless her, Dame Maggie Smith. Mm-hmm. She's amazing, uh, and she. Um, so the secret, this like this bit of magic to protect people. So Harry's parents were on the run from the Dark Lord. The Dark Lord wanted to kill them and harry because of this prophecy and um they uh they told the secret to where they were staying and did this uh Mm -hmm. special spell that would hide them Mm -hmm. and in the end uh as where we are in the story because i'm not going to spoil the ending there's no point right the second but in the end they that serious black betrayed them and told the dark lord where they were hiding that's that's where they are so that's the first time that harry finds out Mm -hmm. that this guy this Mm -hmm. maniac that's on the loose Mm -hmm. um is uh the real reason he didn't pull the trigger but he may as well have killed his parents uh so that's what he just overheard that was so sweet it's like a horror in spock in star trek it's so sweet what happened harry i mean Daniel, uh, uh, there's a few things I have to repeat from the first 
commentary right there. That's when I, I'm now totally on board with Daniel Radcliffe and Harry Potter. I'm like, this is not the annoying young Padawan I was expecting. He's, I think they did some brilliant really things with the camera work. With he's, the camera work right there. It's the opposite like, of Anakin. Sorry. Anakin. They didn't, they, yeah. They didn't keep the camera on his face. You know what I mean? They bounced it around and showed scenery, showed other people. That way it's not too much and it doesn't get too yes, whiny or annoying. But when, when they're framing the important drama, they, they went right in on his face. Right, right, right. Okay, I want to talk about Thulis in one second. But what I'm saying is, Anakin, they were trying to make Anakin be so dark and, you know, emo and blah, 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 and it seemed forced. Mm-hmm. Here, there's like genuine teenage, preteen rage in him, which I don't know if it's he's channeling from his real life or not, but uh, that's brilliant direct direction from Quaron getting this young man to be, I mean, all of them, I mean, especially him and Emma, man, let's be honest, how sort of emotionally honest they are throughout the movie, and that's part of what makes it powerful and awesome. Well, as you'll learn from this spell right here, uh, it actually draws upon your emotion. So he's asking him to think about the oh. most happiest moment that yeah. he can possibly think of. So, can, you know, as the magic draws on the emotion, yeah. as does acting. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Can I do my Thulis bit here? And if, if I'm going on too long um, and something, I mean, this is everything's important in this movie, but feel free to stop me in the middle of any of this to point out stuff. Uh-huh. So, okay. David Thulis is one of those actors that everyone knows when they see him and listen to his amazing voice. But unlike Alan Rickman, he's not famous to the level where they necessarily know his name. And dude, they were definitely playing on this role right here to try and trick people that he was not Aries in uh, Wonder Woman because he has a very sort of grandfatherly professorial re- relationship on the outside with the, with the good guys to throw them off the scent. And the problem with Aries, up oh, here we go, drink. Oh, he goes out, drink. We can still play the game. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Uh, David Thulis. So he plays Ares, the big bad guy. The, the mistake in Wonder Woman. Uh, Spoiler was, alert. Yeah. The mistake. In, if you've seen Wonder Woman by now, then fuck you. Um, <laughs> hey, why an, are you listening to Justin? I mean, if, if, you're, if you like men, you've got Chris Pine. If you like women, you like Gal Gadot. Go see it. Um, but... Uh, uh, and if you're a woman who likes a woman, you got that mascara. So you really got no reason. Um, seriously. Yeah. But, but Simi, they, the problem was they shouldn't have made him the physical fighter against Diana at the end, even though that's how it is in the books. He should have been super powerful, but retained his professorial uh, appeal. Like maybe he had other minions fighting her or whatever. But if he gave that same speech that he gives at the end of Wonder Woman to her about humanity is flawed, it's better for everyone if we just get rid of them. If he delivered that more like Smith from The Matrix, that would be like one of the all-time great finale scenes. Instead, they did the Zack Snyder method of going way over the top with the punch, 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 punch. But I loved him in that movie but he's especially great in kingdom of heaven which is where i really started following him as an actor which was ridley scott's very underrated movie about the crusades from the mid-2000s around this time and it was one of those movies simmy that people said oh it's about the crusades it's a western director it must be uh that it's pro anti-muslim pro-christian but the movie's actually extremely uh, historical meaning the christians are clearly the bad guys the knights templar and the pope and so forth are the evil bad guys and he's one of the only sort of good guy um 
religious Christians who was fighting because it's his duty, but he doesn't really believe in it. And he eventually starts to kind of switch sides and he's sort of a mystic. Like he's sort of a Chirrut-esque character in that movie. It's absolutely brilliant. And he's perfect in this role in this movie. So to transition, we'll talk about Harry making a big leap in power here. Um, and then you can talk about Lupin if you want to. I was just going to say, uh, in the, uh, excuse me, I actually got lost, locked up in that scene. I was really just thinking about Good. how like That's what I want, cool yeah. it is that Lupin's wearing real clothes. Uh, like he, they're he all wearing like a, real clothes. Even right, he even the like students professor. are wearing suits. They're wearing private school clothes rather than cloaks and stuff. It's way more effective. Right, and they're wearing their school colors, and they're wearing their uniforms. Instead of just being in uniform, they're wearing their uniforms the way they'd like to wear their uniforms. I mean, and then is, that was something that yeah. he did for the first time as well. This is exactly what Oxford is like, except for slightly younger kids. But the look, the attitude, like you're dressed up, but people are still casual. If you've ever gone and just like sat in and watched like Oxford or Cambridge campus or whatever in England, it's exactly uh, this this sort of thing. You know, Brit- the Brits are all about everything being in its right place, but at the same time, you know, also being casual in times when Americans might be uptight. Um, and, the, and what was brilliant about these movies, Simi, is that they're so British. They did make a ton of money overseas, but they did extremely well in the States. People could really relate to them. Um, obviously, people were reading the books. But you know what I'm saying? Like the British characteristic and spirit, but it's very accessible. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, and just exactly what, they're, what, what they do differently than, than what we oh, do. Uh, but we, <laughs> we totally... We, we, we dug it. Like, I mean, I, the, when these openings were coming out to me, I, I mean, maybe it was just cause I was into the books, but like they were huge. I mean, what, aren't they some of the, the, the they're in the top, uh, grossing movies ever. You would know this. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to get to that later. Great. So this is, uh, sorry. I, I, I find myself diving into the movie and why no talk, talk, talk. About, like this specific movie. So, so that's what I was just going to say. So, and look at this fucking coat that he's wearing. It's just like, this is him dressing up in the move in the, in the books. They talk about that. He uses like axle grease to grease up his hair when he wants to look nice. Um, but yeah, that's his nice suit that he wore to the, uh, the sentence for Buckbeak. So in the, in the book, they, uh, they help him, um, trying to, they try to help him, uh, uh, with the case, but in the, in the movie, they don't get into it. Like they spend all this time like reading, um, research and, and legal cases about, uh, how to save, you know, uh, magical creatures. And this is also very important for those of you who have seen the, uh, the, the new movie, uh, Newt's commander, uh, uh, fantastic beasts and where to find him. Who's also referenced on the map right here. Uh, yep. There it's gone. But he is, uh, he's like really, he's friends with Hagrid and they're both into like magical creatures and how they're extremely misunderstood. And this yes, is a I great love. example of how, you know, a magical creature is, is kind of misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So we glossed over this point about this magical map that the Weasley twins, it's all my uh, fault. Just blame me guys. Holder, if we gloss over shit, it's all the Bizzle's fault. Go ahead. His pseudo. Well, we missed this part. We didn't talk about this part, but it's a good, it's a major plot point. So there's this map, that the Weasley brothers, his pseudo older brothers, uh, the twins, uh, gave him and it shows everybody in the world, everybody in Hogwarts. And this is a very pivotal point because right now it says there's someone named Peter Pettigrew 
right in front of him. See, this is and sorry, this is magic point for me. The moving maps, like I dream about this shit in real life. I love old maps, and if it's moving, it's amazing. Yeah, so it's supposedly it's a live map, mm-hmm. so it shows who's around, and so Harry's like creeping around the castle and. Mm-hmm. And 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 there's nothing there. But the map mm-hmm. is supposed to show all these hidden passages and all these things. And uh, as long as he has the map, he'll know when to hide. But he's kind of being an idiot right now. Just to can we tie up the Lord of the Rings comparison, I want to yeah, make the go ahead. point. It's fascinating to me that the two best-selling uh, series of fantasy of all time, Lord of the Rings and this, and nothing's close. On the one hand, you have this, which is an unbelievably unrestrained, constant magic, 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 and people love it. And then Lord of the Rings, there's so little magic, even with Gandalf, it's almost frustrating at times. You want him to use magic. So you've got the restraint to the extreme on the one hand and the magic to the extreme on the other. Everything in the middle doesn't seem to succeed. It's really interesting. And again, both English and both very well understood and loved by americans even the characters in lord of the rings are like begging for gandalf to do magic i was just thinking about that part where they're they're lost in the uh in the um in the tombs Mm -hmm. in the uh in the in the in the one area and they're like how do you know where to go he's like uh the air smells fresher like he they thought like there was some magical sign of like how to like mm-hmm. figure out the way to go. He's like, Oh, the air smells better down this way. I think this is the way out. The major, <laughs> the major thing about Gandalf's magic that is more explicitly talked about in the book and is sort of implied in the movie. If you think about it, but they don't all talk about it. But in the book, Simi, he's definitively casting a level of, little bit of like a power and optimism buff around him wherever he goes like he's definitely inspiring people beyond his words uh in in the book it's not like he's giving everyone superpowers but but what he does with theoden in the second one where he brings him back from saruman's control and turns him back into the king he's doing something like that to a lot of different people so his magic is more sort of passive with his presence which is why if he's dead it's a huge problem because you can't just teach spells to other people because he's essentially an angel he's not just a you know a magic user of that world he's four thousand years old or whatever harry potter is much more direct but again i think whether it's time travel or other stuff it's when we learn magic's happening but we didn't know it you're like whoa you know what i mean yeah totally and uh real quick just to comment on that scene real quick right there so back to everybody's in their own imagine kind of wardrobe and snape is the most conservative out of all of them so he's like wearing a three-piece so i never thought he was the bad guy when i saw this and i wasn't surprised to learn later that he wasn't the ultimate bad guy because he's clearly the guy you think you know that they're they're putting in front of you to be the bad guy i did think thulis was the bad guy in this i remember he was just too friendly wasn't really sure his place and then he turns to the werewolf you're like oh this is the bad guy and you realize there that's the other thing simi other than the dementors and voldemort's presence there isn't a traditional bad guy in this movie right when everything shakes out of the main characters uh correct uh there is one really bad guy Well, there's a new character that we that we've heard about but haven't seen yet but yeah correct Mm -hmm. right so he's pretty bad Uh, i was gonna say actually yeah go ahead the only movie that voldemort uh is not actually which was uh, another reason i loved it because i i was coming into this movie again negative stereotype oh there's going to be a another type of dark lord and yes we do get ring wraith creatures but they have different purposes they they act different and there's not a lot of it and i was against i mean i remember the first time being like there was no voldemort talk that was kind of 
you know, a world and character building movie, but I loved it. You know what I mean? Like to me, that didn't take away from the substance. It added to it. And, and the restraint in Lord of the Rings, again, is they do mention Sauron and the Dark Lord, but they're mostly focused on what's in front of them. It's, and I think the, the, the lack of, even though there are religious themes and messianic themes in both series, the lack of talk of God really ever it stands out among the two series. Real quick, dude. I think there's a cool silhouette that happens right now. How old right he now. Looks, If yeah. you look at him, look yeah. at this. Doesn't he look like a wolf? Yeah, you're a little ahead of me. I was saying um, uh, Radcliffe looked older there. Oh, no. I was just talking about the... Yeah. the mm-hmm. Oh, he's anyway. so sad. Is it, so this is this rubbish You would love class. Kingdom of Heaven, man. I'm about to release a commentary for it. The director's cut. Liam Neeson plays the dad. David Thulis is like his right-hand man. They're like big crusaders, but they understand what they're doing is fucked up. It's fantastic. Is it on any of the... Uh... I'll, I'm going to send you the... I'll send you the Blu-ray. I have a couple Blu-rays I'm sending you. I'm sending you Firefly. I'll send you that. I'll I don't have a Blu-ray things. player. Oh, really? No, I watch... Another uh, reason to get a PlayStation. Streaming. Yeah. Yeah, well, after my fiance just got me this Nintendo Classic, I don't know. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah, I here think I'll have to wait till the winter. Okay. So, does Emma Thompson, back to here, does Emma Thompson's character know what's going on with Hermione at this point? Because Hermione's keeping it very close to the vest. So, Emma Thompson's character does know what's going on, maybe at some level with Hermione, but more so, like, Hermione is very uh, loquacious. Like, she's very... Um, she's just she's very like book smart and everything and she is she's she's brilliant she's very 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 brilliant hermione but she can't this isn't something that you can learn this is something you just have and so she's very disappointed that she doesn't quote unquote have it so this is the only thing that she doesn't do well in so she that you just saw hermione have one of her only uh, outbursts and you'll see a couple more of Hermione's outbursts which are very against her character um, uh, up until now like you know where she's actually becoming more uh, strong a strong woman a strong female character and, and does some cool things so this right now is very important this is uh, Professor Tolorini's uh, second uh, uh, prophecy uh, that is very important go on it's going to happen in a moment. You can set it up if you want. Or we can wait. It's about... It's about so he sees Sirius Black. This is important. That's why I just think we should just listen to it. Yeah. I'm not really into dead time. Okay, here we go. Emma Thompson. She's possessed... Who's who's she speaking from right now? She's she's. That's a prophecy. I know, but is she talking about Sirius Black? Uh, She's talking about the Dark Lord. No, but he said servant and master. So who's the servant? Right. It's not. It's not Sirius Black. You don't really know at this point. Well, tell um, us. What it Spoiler is. alert, guys. We're going to have to talk Spoiler about... Alert. We have to talk so, about the end of this movie now because I want to start doing the time travel stuff. So don't worry about spoilers. So uh, Peter Pettigrew... Oh, uh, who killed his, his parents, search. right? No. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, Peter Pettigrew was actually yeah. the secret keeper. By the way, the another class. orphan. Luke's an orphan. Bruce Wayne's an orphan. Ray's an orphan. I mean, literally everybody. 
everybody's an orphan yeah. uh so now the hippogriff is uh the, the trial's over and the hippogriff is going to be killed All right. all right, guys. This is one of the best uh, scenes or images in all of film history. Um, Simi? So this is actually an interesting scene. She, in the book, uh, slaps him right here. Uh, but as you'll see, uh, he uh, she kind of changes it a little bit. Does she and have punches a- him? Yeah. That's a real punch right there. Sorry, I paused for a second because I wanted you to hear that. That's real. She punched him in the nose in real life. <laughs> and that's this is her second outburst. She's having, you know, she literally just like kicked a crystal ball off a table 10 minutes ago. And now she just punched the bully square in the face. And she's like, fuck this noise. Because, you know, they, 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 they killed Buckbeak and... They're about to, they're they're about to kill Buckbeak and and he's making fun of it like fuck that noise fuck that dude he's evil like the guy that kid literally set this in motion and they talk about it more like he wasn't really hurt and he could have totally like dropped the whole thing but he pushed for uh, the Buckbeak to be killed so Hagrid would be uh, this is the giant Hagrid so Hagrid would be um, hurt. So he's just this eagle, evil fuck, yeah, this kid. And, and a lot of these Death Eaters, like, they're just real Republicans, just disgusting people. So this so, is... So, um... Yeah. This rat again... So this is a big storyline plot. So earlier they had said... Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron and Hermione have been fighting this whole time. They've been in a huge fight. Um, because the dog... The, the, her cat was supposedly ate the rat but the rat really just disappeared for a couple other reasons so now um oh, where did that rock come from it's fun this is where it gets fun and i'm going to pass this over to jesse for a little bit to talk about the uh the 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 hinting of time travel that is about to happen so not only did i have no idea i, I wasn't even considering time travel the first time i watched this semi but every time i watch it i find things that are going on in the time travel universe that i i forget which is the sign of an amazing movie but semi i will say the death of the hippogriff here i'm like this is a pg harry potter th- uh, uh, uh movie and it's been dark and scary at points are they really going to kill this beautiful creature we becoming attached to it definitely didn't alert me to time travel but it alerted me to something going on especially that dumbledore would argue the execution we of course know i think a dumbledore knows what's going on here and knows that th- this is all to change future decisions uh of hermione in particular but also harry but right here when he's ordering the execution in dumbledore was there does dumbledore know it i think he knows just dumbledore uh he has a feeling about it but there's actually an interesting part in the book and the movie um and it's an interesting time traveling thing because 
they're not going to actually see Buckbeak get killed. They just hear it. Okay. And then they hear Hagrid crying. See, they're going to leave right now. So by the time they actually are in a safe place to where they can look around, they don't know. They think Buckbeak's been been killed Mm -hmm. and it's implied that he is, but at some level, maybe he isn't. And this is that weird ripple of time stuff. See, so everybody's going to look away in a second. They're going to see him die, though. No, they're not. Or they're going to see him that he's dead. It's, I mean, they know. No, he's they're dying. just going to see. They're just going to see the guy swing the axe. Well, that's yeah. But I'm saying they're seeing the event happen, even if we don't get a close up. So this right. is the prime, what we call in time travel, the prime timeline, guys. This is the main and earliest timeline. But Emma, uh, Hermione is jumping to the past and the future. So based on her reaction, here's the thing, Simi. Ugh. PG, guys. PG Harry Potter movie. You're welcome. Um, so she's sad and surprised and upset, but isn't she already operating in the past? Is, so it's always an interesting question of when Hermione is operating in the past because her timeline is all over the place compared to these two guys' timeline, if, if that makes sense. Right. So this is like the climax of the movie, which actually lasts for a good third of the movie, if not almost half of it. Um, and uh, it's a pretty cool climax that's about to happen. Yep. Um, with with everything, all the all the reveals that come into play, like slowly but surely, and and Scabbers is again, like I said, a very big deal. And here's the Grim that we've all been worried about is an actual real dog. There's an actual Grim that they thought was trying to kill Harry, but it went right for Ron, oddly. And this is where, when I was reading the book. It gets confusing. Like, I remember reading this, like, over and over again, like, being like, like wait, what is going on? Because it gets very confusing at this point, but they do a good job. They actually do a better job in the in the movie than they do in the book because there's a lot going on uh, with, with, the, with who's who and what's what mm-hmm. that's about to happen. So this is the Whomping Willow, uh, a tree that is very important in this plot, and they get into it soon. Um, and they had driven the car the magical car into it last uh, last year uh, and, and, and damaged it and almost got expelled for damaging this tree. So this is a live tree and she thinks she's hot and then she gets smacked in the stomach. By the way, a connection of how sim- there are major similarities between Potter and Lord of the Rings is the extent to which the most enchanted parts of the world are animals and, and forests and trees and stuff like that, which I love in Lord of the Rings books and movies. And I love here as well. That's a great shot of her just screaming, flying around. That always makes me smile. And they're doing a great job with the CG, uh, CGI. Like this is, this actually couldn't get bad. There's a couple, eh, Look at, but look at that. That's not bad. You know what the worst DJ in the movie is, and they made a, a, a they made a decision to not overdo it on purpose. Is the um, uh, Quidditch match? I thought they did a decent job. They did a very it, decent job, but they knew they were going to focus on this final hour and the stuff we saw earlier. And Harry on the, the you have to know where to spend your money. Even Peter Jackson, you know, had to make decisions because that wasn't a knock on Quidditch as much as it is compliment how great this last hour looks. 
And what I guess it what I was really leading does. to was, Simi, a lot of the things I love about this movie I didn't realize till later. And one of them, I mean, look at this. This looks like the steps to Kirith Ungol, Return of the King. It wasn't that it was similar to the Lord of the Rings. It was the things I loved in the Lord of the Rings were here in, in great numbers in this movie, like the enchantment of nature and the fact that most of the magic they deal with from here on out uh, is nature related. I love that. And I love the settings. A lot of outdoors oh. that they were doing. Can you talk about then, that? Like, can you talk about well, the fact that there was a conscious decision where they were just sort of inside most of the time in the first couple uh, movies? I don't know about the books, and they made the decision to move to Scotland permanently and be in a castle, essentially. Well, I thought they did such a uh, – they wanted to, like, get you used to the school in the first two books. That, that was the main focus, like a classroom setting and getting you used to, like, uh, the prep schools uh, – you know, away from everybody's parents and how that lifestyle was. And there was a lot of things to unravel. Um, but now, you know, there's a lot of different things that they can get into, like where uh, they're really getting into the characters. And this, <laughs> Look at this. I mean, she's Princess Leia. A- she's protecting the guys, right? It's great. Uh-huh. Oh, this is great. I love Harry's rage. You know, usually wanting revenge for your parents. We see this obviously with Bruce Wayne in, in a lot of times, you know, in the Batman movies. So honestly, if you were just watching this and never read the books or never seen it, yeah, ask me I questions mean, about that if you want. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would totally think uh, that that uh, that Remus is the bad guy, and that they they did a really good job of making you think that these guys are the bad guys, which you'll soon find that they're not. Um, so here's the big reveal. And they do a good job of the compared to what they do in the movie. Red to the herring. Book, uh, this it's a red is herring. Pretty yeah. spot on. Yeah. Uh, they do a great job. Yep. Look, some directors do red herrings well, where they're throwing you off the trail, and some don't do it well. Quaron does it great. Joss Whedon knows how to do it. J.J. Abrams. This is a great... Yeah. When I, as a first-time watcher, I'm going, yeah, okay, these are the bad guys. I knew there was something off about him, but he's maybe more evil than I thought. And then, Sammy Bo is going to say, though, is all of the plot twists that are happening in the last hour, again, keep you from thinking about all the time travel plot twists that are happening, right? The time travel is the last like half an hour, and and like well, except that it's all... been happening the whole time. And what I was going to point out was right. we talk about how few scenes there are inside the school, and all of them are either her doing time travel that we learn about later, or Harry having character moments with the senior figures um, and so forth. Well, what I want to ask you about before uh, Simi, because we rave about these actors, is what must it be like to be a twelve-year-old actor, even if you're Harry Potter and people know who you are, to be constantly acting with these legends, knighted legends of, of English theater and so forth. Well, I, I I just think it's incredible that they actually held a candle to these guys. Yeah. You know, I mean they're they're they this, they're doing a great job. And look at look at look at that. He just comes out of nowhere. By the way, Academy Award winning uh, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Alan Rickman's been nominated. I, I don't know if he's won. Yeah, it's nice just to be nominated. You were nominated. You know, uh, the the Gary Oldman fudge I did last podcast i'd like to apologize to gary oldman i knew you won an oscar it's fine it's fine i didn't get through I much of the horrible. movie it was a great performance but it was too slow yeah. um by the way simmy so we have we think we think gary oldman's the bad guy and then we think gary oldman Dolan's the bad guy and now snape's here like like the kids you have no idea what's going on as a watcher you know it's great it's a great reveal um there's so many things that are about to happen it's really um, this 35 minutes that's left, I think, or so, is the some of my favorite uh, part of any movie. Uh, it really just, everything that's about to happen just unravels in such an incredible way. 
Um, and you've really been trying to figure out like what the hell is going on and look at this. So in the book, uh, Hermione, Ron and Harry all, uh, zap Snape because Snape doesn't care about hearing what's happening. Snape wants Lupin to possibly get killed by the Dementors and Sirius to get killed by the Dementors and doesn't care about any of this stuff. And that's where this is in this book is the point where Sirius's or uh, Snape's actual like vendetta against Harry's father uh, was much more prevalent than his love for his mother. This one is you really start to realize that Snape's a bad person because he was. He, he, Sirius, which they don't really talk about at all, um, Sirius played a joke on, on Snape in the books and Snape almost died. Um, and I'll, I, I'll get into that later. And, uh, that's why Snape hates Sirius so much. So he didn't care about like that. Maybe there was something to be heard. Uh, uh, he, all he wanted to do was kill Sirius, right? That he wanted to bring him to the Dementors immediately. Mm-hmm. So, and here it is, the okay, big reveal. Peter Pettigrew, the rat, who is an onomagist, someone who, just like Sirius who can change too. in and out of uh, mm-hmm. from uh, – and like Professor McGonagall who can mm-hmm. change into an animal. Can I say really quickly? If you had yes. seen the Gary Oldman movie and not known it was Gary Oldman, you would not know it was him. No, and that's one of the best things about Gary Oldman. He does a great job. He's an ultimate like, chameleon, and the ten percent of movies he way overacts in is all because of the material and because he just goes all out with his roles. Do you think he personally? I think he personally looks like uh, Inspector Gordon, like personal. That's like who he looks like. Right. Like if you see Tinker like Tailor Soldier Spy, he looks like that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't like that movie at all, but yeah, I did see it. Uh, yeah. Very mixed feelings. Great cast, though. Great cast, horrible movie. Uh, okay. Also in uh, yeah. Fifth Element. Yeah. So uh, can, I, can I get do some more time travel stuff here as this hijinks yeah, is yeah. going on? By the way, that whole last scene isn't supposed to make sense to the viewers again because it doesn't make sense to the kids. And that's what Cuaron, I think what Alfonso Cuaron does brilliant is as a kid who'd never, a guy who'd never worked with kids this young, he makes sure we're always from the kid's perspective in terms of filmmaking the whole time, right? Right. Right. Totally. Um, so they had to gloss over a lot of things. And like, one of the things that like, I keep forgetting that they haven't talked about at all is, um, that they get into a little bit later is these three and Harry's dad were best friends. They talked about it a little bit with Madame Russell. Yeah, they were like poker the, buddies. Right? Yeah. They were like, no, they were like BFF. Like, no, I met, like, I met like friends who played poker every night. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. yeah. Like, Not uh, literally. Obviously. Right. <laughs> Maybe who knows? Right, right, but no, no, like not like. Oh, I was thinking poker buddies are like people that hang out once a week or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, like yeah. these guys were like you know like in the same. I misuse the like term. The way yes, you're right. Ron and yeah, Dean and and Seamus and all those guys are. You know what I mean? Like, Meaning all, that they were bros, dude. Yeah, they were another. bigger yeah. than bros. Yeah. Like they were in a big clique, the same way Hermione and Ron are, and and and, and Harry. Like they're in so their own little. Group. They injure Ron. It's a great decision, not because I don't like Rupert Grant. Again, he doesn't grade on me at all. None of these characters do. But we needed it to be about Harry and Hermione. And, dude, what I think is great is Hermione is the way more interesting and badass character in the movie. But we mm-hmm. uh, we, we never lose Harry's perspective. Quaron resists the urge to ever 
go through the eyes directly of Hermione, but because of her empathy and sympathy as both a character and a person, an actress, you know, you really feel like you're getting to know her as like a friend, you know, watching it. But he, do you know what I'm saying? He always keeps it with Harry's perspective. That was important. I'm sure that's how it is in the book too. Or well, are there entire I, chapters? I was going to ask you: Are there entire chapters from Hermione or other characters' perspective? Well, there was, there's something interesting that I, I wanted to remind you about. Well, um, you know how you were saying the other day to me about how uh, uh, Solo uh, Han Solo was going to be seven, uh, Luke was going to be eight, and Leia was going to be nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Hermione actually gets left behind in two at the end, um, the way that Ron gets left behind. She, um, she, has a, she gets uh, petrified by the... Uh, basilisk Mm -hmm. uh she anyways but so she is totally uh half of the reason uh for their quest at the end of the Mm -hmm. to get into the chamber of secrets is to save hermione because she's in the hospital Mm -hmm. wing all fucked up Mm -hmm. so it was uh it worked out kind of perfectly um that this this was her movie and um you know we talked about her share like uh stealing the, the 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 spotlight from everybody which she does in all of the movies actually but, um, you know, the biggest thing is this was the one that she was supposed to anyway. So it really went hand in hand with the director and her relationship with the director, um, you know, watching her mature and become who she is. So absolutely. Um, so this is this is this is huge. So Remus is a werewolf. Crazy shit is about we, to go down. And bef- the CGI and this is great. It's fantastic. They do a great yeah. job. It's dark out, so they take advantage of it. There, there's no way Thulis wasn't doing motion capture in his werewolf form. Oh, here we go. Expelliarmus. Whoop. So that pushes things or people back, obviously. Expelliarmus. Right. It's like no, a force push. A back to a mouse or a rat. Um, but Timmy, what I was going to ask was... Um, uh, I'm just watching this. Yeah, they do a great job. Watch this transformation. Mm-hmm. Oh, before book three slash movie three, did we know about werewolves and did we even know about Lupin? Uh, we didn't know about Lupin um, before three. He is a new character. Um, you didn't know about Sirius. You didn't know about Wormtail. You didn't know about any of them. Um, also, like being as good friends as, as you find out that Remus and... Uh, uh, James Potter were Harry's father. Um, it's actually a little surprising that like, um, there's not a more immediate, like, um, I knew your father very well. You know what I mean? It was almost a little weird how, uh, building of the relationship that he gets into before he even tells him that he knew his father, which he does on the bridge. And he's talking about Lily and all that stuff, but he doesn't tell him like on the train, you know, they're sitting there on the train the whole time and he just had this traumatic experience and this guy saved his life, literally, it seems. Wouldn't it be nice for him to say, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm Professor Lupin. I knew your father, Harry. You know what I mean? Just something. But he doesn't even mention it until later on. It's kind of weird. But so uh, to catch everybody up on what's happening, um, the wormed harry's father and sirius used to change into animaji to help entertain lupin when he turned into a werewolf every month while they were in school that's how good friends they were they 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 changed they taught themselves this rare bit of magic illegally 
to be able to protect their friend and give their friend company when he turned into a werewolf. So Dumbledore made an exception for Lupin to go to the school, even though he was a werewolf, because he got bit very young. And so they built that shrieking shack Uh for him to go out and hang out in every time he turned into a werewolf. And they built the Whomping Willow so people wouldn't go near the shrieking shack. Um, and so that was the whole setup. And But then they'd sneak out once James became Prongs and uh, Sirius became Padfoot, the dog. And they would they would uh, basically just, like, play fight with the werewolf. Was that, and, like, that? that's how they sorry. hung out when was they that, were kids. Was that future Harry or Hermione that was howling at Let Lupus there? I forget. That's future um, Hermione gotcha, howling sorry. at, yeah. I mean, the thing is, Harry has such an advanced maturity evolution in this movie that you can make Emma Watson such a badass and be the the actor behind so many of the major plot points because Harry Potter is having a a very important journey. It's just his is more internal in this movie, which I love. It's not like they're... They don't castrate him the way they, in my opinion, sorry guys, castrate Poe and Finn and Last Jedi, for example. Like, he's still a very present actor. You don't have to be doing all the ass-kicking. It's just a matter of advancing your character, maturing your character, and so forth. And and that makes it more interesting, actually, to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And again, like, any of this magic could be really, um, shitty, you know, and just kind of whack and like just, you know, just too much. This is about, I think they, this always they works did the a best. Good job. Yeah. This is scary. This is really scary for a yeah. PG movie, you know, like basically demons flying around, like killing this boy I don't know. and this uh, his, his uncle. It's insane. Because there's no, like, there's like, there's no blood. You know what I mean? Like, there's all this stuff that they probably. Like, like paid attention to and made sure that they didn't, uh, yeah. no, but you the, know, but, cross guidelines. Right, but the next they movie... They needed it to be... They needed it to be PG. Yes, but they starting in the next movie, Goblet of Fire, till the end... I know the last few episodes are super dark, but I saw Goblet of Fire. I saw, like, four or five, maybe six, and there wasn't way more pg-13 material but they just gave into it and just did pg-13 rating i think they slipped this one past the censors and it's great this also grossed the lowest of all the movies so by increasing the pg-13 they actually and building the brand here and with the earlier movies they actually start making more money marketing it to adults well they also the way jk kind of created it was for an eight-year-old to read one a nine-year-old to read two a ten-year-old to read three and you know like there was a bit of a Gap, you know what I mean? Like it's not made for an eight-year-old to finish one through eight, you know, right away. Like because the content's going to be a little, you know, a little much for an eight-year-old. You know, is this drinking game coming up here? Uh, yeah, definitely. No, he already passed out. Oh, here he goes. Broom, drink. But then they have to. They end up having to kill him in the end, right? He needs to make a choice. That's the thing, Poop. man. All whether it's time travel or prophecy, which are they're related, it you still have to give characters at least the illusion of choice. And part of what threw right. people off about the Matrix movies was taking apart the notion that there is really choice and that it is an illusion and that we have to embrace certain things, whether we have a choice or not. But for these sorts of movies, you have to have the characters make a choice, sacrifice one thing over another. Up oh, there it is. Can I read you something real quick? Yeah. Okay. Other than waking up to this face you'd be like 
Are you an angel? <laughs> yeah, right. You're so pretty. Um, by the way, Simi, I will not. Uh, uh, I love all the '90s Disney movies. Beauty and the Beast was by far my least favorite by like a long shot. I I really the new like, one or the original? No, the original one. one. I really like the new one specifically because her and what's his name as um uh as the Beast are amazing in it. She lights up the screen, and it's a great retelling. It's, yeah, we've seen really this is. scene I'm again. I'm surprised that's your least favorite. That's interesting. The music's great. It's too Broadway for me. Be our guest. Be our, you know, I like The Little Mermaid and Aladdin was more kind of uh, ethnic. You had Caribbean music, you had Middle Eastern music. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, point being, we see this. What well, my point is, even though I liked it the least, I love the new one, even with the same songs, because right. Ewan McGregor's in it, Ian McKellen's in it. You don't like it. Well, yeah, yeah, has a lot of our favorite actors. We see this scene again. He's seeing something here. I'm always trying to decode this. Uh, here it is. Mysterious thing. Time. I gotta turn this up. Powerful. Let me read some of this. When meddled with dangerous, he's sending a signal to her. Right. He was. He was doing the math. That's what he was looking. She at. must have he the watch doing- at this point already. You know the laws. Yep. Yeah, she has it. She always has it with her. Oh, is this the reveal? She, is this the yeah. reveal? And Harry's like, "What the fuck is he talking about?" Yeah. Oh, nice. This is important because we couldn't have them reusing time travel constantly. It had to be this desperate and like only like a one-time thing. Oh, look and at Harry's that. just like that's such an Ian McKellen thing with the eye and the fingers there. But all the great British old guys can do that stuff. He they did a great job in the movie. Uh, so again, Ron's being left behind because he has the broken leg, which all of a sudden can't be healed immediately. Like all of a sudden, he like can't walk at all. Actually, no, it, it takes a minute. So it's go. a bad. There's a bite, a break. I love how she snaps his, slaps his hand. And this is so cute. This is so cute. Look at them. He's like, "What the fuck are we doing?" I remember watching this to me and being like, "I don't know if in the books these two are going to become romantic, but I hope they don't because you and me both have a lot of platonic female friends, and I love when they do that in the movies. It's too obvious of a romance, and they're not even good for each other. It's way better as friends." Well, there is a certain point in one of the movies that you haven't seen where uh, my friend and I have speculated that they actually do have sex. Right, because you and I never hooked up with any of our friends growing up. That never right. happened. <laughs> right. Right. It'd be realistic if they didn't try it, and that's probably part of the reason they didn't keep it going. And they even talk about it. They even talk about maybe yeah. we should grow I mean, old together I can name, and stay here. You actually know a lot of my female friends who I've hooked up with growing up, so I'm not even going to go there. You know a lot of them. Well, we don't want to make this uh, no. a PG-13 podcast. Yeah, yeah, make it have more business secrets out in public where they don't belong. Here Seriously. it comes. Oh, we get, and this is the other great part of time travel. We get different physical, visual views of everything. We get to see it from up here. Shh, this is the reveal. But here's the thing, Sammy. They filmed it from up here when she did the punch in the earlier scene, and they're, so they're actually using the same camera shots, even though it's two different time continuums. Right. That's why the punch looks exactly the same. Or the punch scene. Look at her scars. Did she have Ooh, to explain anything? To to, twice. I thought, did she not have to give exposition to Harry about what exactly was going on? He just figured it out. That was him. just it. No, that was just it. This is a time center, Harry. McGonagall gave it to me first semester. That's how I've been doing all my lessons. I've been going back in time. So the whole thing is just to emphasize they can't be seen. Because if wizards will go crazy if they they'd be if they're seen by uh, their own selves, like they'd freak the fuck out. 
This is also very illegal. This can give you a sentence in Azkaban um, if you um, if you get caught using this for your own good because you're not allowed to. Wizards aren't allowed to meddle in time. They're breaking one of the biz- biggest bizzlest the biggest <laughs> bizzlest wizarding laws are being broken right now by the biggest uh square that's the whole thing this is really her her coming out party of being like um so the all these different houses are you're sorted into these houses hufflepuff ravenclaw gryffindor slytherin for different reasons and they're all known for doing different things and uh she shouldn't be in gryffindor um Gryffindor is the bravest. They're not dumb or anything, but they're the bravest. So she should be in, uh, I can't remember if it's Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff off the top of my head. This is the first time I've stumped myself in something I wanted to talk about. But uh, she should have been in one of those other houses that are known for it. Um, <clears throat> but she's she's brave and loyal, and that's why she ends up being a Gryffindor. And this is where she really starts um, you know, being her independent. She was a support, a supporting role before, but now she's like, you know, head bitch, you know, like she's in charge. Like Harry, Harry is following her at this point. Hmm. He, she needs him though, because he's one of the strongest wizards out there. Uh, yeah, which we'll see later on. It's sort of like like comparing Luke to Ahsoka, right? I mean, Luke at his most insanely strong, in Harry Potter, they're most Stanley strong are the, 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 you know, the strongest, but she's able to go in and out of magical power and good and bad very quickly. Like Ahsoka can, she's more, you know what I mean? Or the way the it's more natural, like Ron, it comes, it comes Ron, naturally to her. She doesn't have to try. She may not max out, I guess, where Harry does, if that makes sense. But it just, when she needs it, boom, she's there. Harry needs Rod and Hermione like Luke needs Leia and Han. You know what I mean? Like they, they, it's a reciprocal relationship that makes them stronger because just like the emperor said, uh, your, uh, your trust in your friends is your weakness, uh, and your arrogance is yours, you know, that exchange and like, but that's the, but it's also his strength, you know, like he trusts his friends and, and his family and like that, that, that they, they, they could never have succeeded the way they succeeded uh, if they didn't have each other. And it's the same way. They they all need each other. They need Ron a lot. Like, Ron is so valuable, as we'll find out later on. He does a lot of other things. Um, and Hermione is the... She's the game maker. And Harry is the... Uh, Harry's the hero piece, you know? So it, they're all very important. You can't do... You can't do one... Harry would die in a minute without Hermione. There's a great, there's a great line that they have this argument later on in uh, part one of seven about, like... They really are, Ron is articulating like why they need each other and stuff. So anyway, you ready for me to blow uh, your mind? Some good points. Yeah, shoot. You want to know where um, Azkaban comes from? The word. This is from J.K. Rowling. Where? It's a mix of Alcatraz and the biblical Hebrew word Abaddon, meaning place of destruction or depths of hell. Wow. So, and just yeah. to know how scary the place sounds, like from watching this movie, they actually never show it. They only show it in. Um, I believe five. They show a glimpse of it when there's it when uh, Bellatrix Lestrange escapes. They show how uh, how it blew up. But at that point, you know, all hell is breaking loose. So wait, fuck! I missed it. Why did they throw the thing at themselves inside the? They had to let them know the minister and um, 
the minister uh, and the executioner right. were coming. So this Maybe is John Connor. They would have been caught. That's the thing. This yeah. is this John Connor thing. Yeah, it's like right. you can't you can't survive to the future unless you come back from the future and save yourself or, or exactly. So it, yeah, this is this is yeah. a classic time loop. An, another movie that deals with this is Donnie Darko. Um, uh, and, yeah, but Donnie Darko really delves into the way that this it's almost like a separate universe that's like a tangential universe and then you're trying to loop it back into the main line so this isn't actually like multi-dimensional like the multiverse this is one main prime timeline but here the guys on the edge who are coming from the the future to the past it's not like they have a whole existence and eventually they go back to the time they came from i think right yeah yeah absolutely and so this is this is a great. So this you you were asking about this earlier. Dumbledore, um, yeah, he just, just goes. Stalling. Oh, too bad. Oh well, let it go. Right. He, well, actually, he uh, he goes and gets drunk with Hagrid. It's yeah. one of the cooler scenes. He goes, "I'd like a nice cup of tea or a large glass of brandy." So that's my question. So here now, Dumbledore is acting like he knows that Emma, Emma Watson has the watch. You mean Gandalf for? looks like Gandalf a yeah, lot in this scene. Um, what brings me back to my original question of the first time we went through this scene and, and we see Dumbledore, does he know at that point? It's unclear. Dumbledore always seems all-knowing, to be honest. Like, throughout a lot of this stuff, like, he seems to be... Um, <laughs> he seems to be the one that reveals just enough to everybody okay. to, to that's important so does he is he actually the bad guy in the end is that what happens like down the road spoiler alert guys no oh, Dumbledore but no. but he knew but he knows too much about Voldemort or they're related or connected somehow right no he knows every, well he figures it all out but um uh, there's something should, tragic you know, I don't want to spoil six yeah. and seven I don't want to spoil one and two so, I mean, there's no Pardon. way people are watching a prisoner of Ask- my second prisoner of Azkaban commentary with us right now just this movie having not seen or at least read the other you ones. haven't seen it <laughs> yeah but I've read the, I've read the wikis I've read, I've read the wikis okay no that's worries that's nothing then how are you yeah. then how, yeah, well I think it's fair to say Dumbledore at least knows more about the past than he lets on obviously Oh, he knows a lot about the past. Yeah. That, they get into that in six. You really okay. need to watch six, seven, and eight, or six part, and then seven, part one and two. There, the, there's a lot of. I will think about that. it. <laughs> and six is actually one of the better movies and one of the better books. Five is painful. Five is very painful. So I've said it before. I'll say it again. Of eight Harry Potter movies, the ones that made the most money were the first, the last, first and last. Not surprisingly. And the one that make the least money? The one you're looking at right here that most people say is the best or one of the best. Very interesting. Those are real bats, by the way. I think it was because it was too scary an adult for a PG. They should have just made it PG-13. Oh, here we go. Made with the Patronus. Can you talk about what Patronus is? So the Patronus is what uh, Lupin has been training Harry to uh, do to protect himself the Dementors. And uh, the Patronus is the uh, mirror or the uh, shell of one's soul. Um, And the way a Patronus is uh, conjured is by thinking of a very, very happy moment and saying, expect a Patronus. So... uh, 
each person's Patronus takes a full Patronus, which is a very great feat of magic, like a very rare feat of magic, especially for somebody his age to be able to create, um, takes the form of like your, uh, you know, your special character, like whatever your animal would be, uh, uh, Later on, uh, Hermione's is an otter, uh, and Ron's is a dog, um, and they take that, but they, uh, but they'll protect you from Dementors, and uh, they, they, they do other kind of special things, but they, they protect, they're protectors of your soul and of you. Can See, I, this was uh, you asked me about this earlier. Yeah, that cool. was the that was the futuristic howl. There it is. Cause to to get the. Uh, to save uh, save them, she uh, pretends to be a well werewolf. Mm-hmm. Great! Now it's coming for us. Didn't think about that. Yeah, so, right. Can you, can you do a quick Emma Watson here? Good. I, I got to get it in. She, she's probably the most nat, one of the most natural actors I've ever seen, and I, I say that because a when I saw this movie in the theater, I was like, she's definitely going to be a superstar. But even more so when I watch her now doing Academy Award level work in both indie and mainstream movies, she's not that much less developed here like she's almost an academy award form compared to her modern self at 12 or 13 years old is just spectacular i mean look at her if you just focus on her face for you know the facial stuff she's doing it's so advanced it seems she like she, they the cast, if you didn't if i didn't know simmy being a film nerd i would be like oh they cast a 16 year old who looks young as a 12 year old nope they cast a 12 year old as a 12 year old that's very tough those hair flicks she's yeah. petrified and this is I mean, Haley steinfeld right is the only young actress I can think of now who's who has that similar even Natalie had to come a long way between childhood Natalie and adult Natalie here we go and Buckbeak this is incredible CGI it's really good CGI this movie the closer you get to the CGI the better it looks that's not always the case and Buckbeak saves the day See, that doesn't look awkward, but it doesn't look sexual. You know what I mean? It doesn't look like he, they're like, she's like, oh, hold me. She's They hug multiple s- times in this movie, and it's never weird. No, it's a good, it's a good give and take. Because they so were the this way in real life. Coming. We've talked about this. I think by this point, they're already good friends, and they, they're still best friends today, which is an amazing thing. Because you can, you can learn to really hate someone spending this much time over them in 12 years, but they still love each other from all I can tell. Stop grabbing my hand. <laughs> are you okay? Finn's on the ground. Ray's re- are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. <laughs> that just reminded me of that, the way he grabbed her hand. This is where that my dad That ship is garbage. Comes. Garbage will do. <laughs> this is great. I think they overemphasize the scar sometimes in this. Uh, like They make it this like as if like his head was cracked open. So that's a, that's a magical scar. That that's all that was left of the curse from when uh, mm-hmm. uh, Voldemort tried to kill him, mm-hmm. and there's speculation about what that is, and eventually there's a big reveal in the end about what it actually is. Watch this, and so now he, and they don't get into this, but um, oh, they were they did talk. I about just this. got chills. So, uh, that gave me major chills. So Sirius is Harry's godfather, and he asked him to come live with them mm-hmm. uh, instead of living with the Dursleys during the summer. Mm-hmm. And so that's the that's the happy memory that he uses to create this massive Patronus. And this is where the first time that he creates a full Patronus, and you'll see 
you saw it in the last the stag uh, chases them down. So, um, you know, only a really powerful wizard can do this. So this is the first, I mean, he's done some other things before, like, um, but a lot of the time it was like, it felt like he was kind of Forrest Gumping his way through him. Like the way he kills, uh, uh, uh professor Quirrell in, in one and the way, uh, he gets through, uh, the chamber of secrets in two was more like Fox helps him and he's witty. And, um, he does, uh, he's not. He doesn't do a lot of magic. You know what I mean? Like he he like uh, he gets a, the, a sword and he stabs the the basilisk and uh, but he's not like he's not waving a wand and producing any like major magic in one and two. Um, he does some things, but not a lot. But that what he just this did right great. there is sorry. What it's my what favorite he did part right of the movie. There, yeah. What he did right there is something that, like, most, like, grown wizards, not all of them can do what he just Think did. Think about there. that mind fuck, sorry. The time travel mind fuck. They point out the important character stuff in the, in the time travel. He says, I knew I could do it because I've done it before. And you're like, well, how could you have done it before if you didn't do it for the first time? It's, they're, they're being self-conscious about it being a John Connor scenario. But the bottom line is this Harry Potter here, for whatever reason, in one of the timelines, has the guts to do it. And so this time he knows that he can do it. Like, Another, wait, wait, can I just point out a hypothetical? It's possible that that happened dozens and dozens. It's like, you know, the end of Doctor Strange, how he has to, like, die hundreds of times before he uh, convinces Dormammu to let them go. It's possible that that failed Harry attempt to do the Patronus could have happened dozens of times, and he just finally nailed it. Sorry. I was just going to say, uh, the, the crazy, the she just says bombarda which means like to destroy like she destroyed the the, the cell instead of opening it so she could have said alohomora which is like how to unlock something but instead she's just like i'm blowing this bitch up again showing how she's just like i'm a badass bitch i'm, I'm just let's just i'm gonna blow up the i'm blowing this thing up and we're getting out of here that's also a little different in the in the in the book there's a, a window that they they get him out of um so this is where he actually invites him to live with him, I think, and says he's his godfather. Or he, they talk about it a little bit earlier. But uh, but that's the memory that he used to create the Patronus. The other thing they didn't talk about was how did Sirius get out of Azkaban. And they didn't necessarily talk about how he knew where Peter Pettigrew was. He knew where Peter Pettigrew was because of the picture in the, new, in the Daily Prophet that they showed earlier. He saw... The, he saw it. Long story short, he got a copy of a newspaper while he was in Azkaban, and he saw Peter Pettigrew as the rat in there, and he could recognize him because they they used to change all the time together. So he knew what he looked like as a rat, and the rat only had four fingers. So that was a. There's a couple of things they left out, but I mean, it's a great movie, and the CGI is great. That's incredible. They did a great what, job with did that. Did we miss the part where we get to see Emma Watson time traveling in the earlier scenes? What do you mean? Or does she just, she just, it's just described. No, it's just described. She just shows up in places. Oh, that's so cool. Maybe you were just watching that in that uh, abridged, ver- or that cool version you saw. Oh, no, extra I'm not, scenes? No, I've, I haven't even watched the deleted scenes. Mm-mm. Oh, I can't wait to see it. It just must be because that. I've seen it a lot and you finally start putting it together in your head when it's happening. As opposed to the first two times, you're just like, what the fuck's going on? Here we go. That was a great shot. Here we go again. Yeah, this is a scene. Dumbledore. In the book, there's a better line. He doesn't go did what. He goes, 
he he says uh, they're like we did it. They're both free or something. And he's like, and he says like you really did the do you really did do the thing right. Yep, oh, there it is. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, they come back to the scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's such a cute smile. Look at that. She's such a great actress. She's so natural. She's natural. She really is. She does talk though, man. I, I'm telling you, her in particular talks about. Quaron being like exactly the director she needed because before this this guy named Chris Columbus who's not Christopher Columbus but he was a famous Hollywood director but he did like Home Alone and stuff man he was like a kids Hollywood director and they brought in a guy who was like edgy like rated R plus movies to do it and it's a beautiful fusion and that's why J.K. Rowling was thrilled oh here we go I love this scene yeah I like that he's listening to music I love that he's like in a suit and like this is like V, you know, right? He looks it's like right. V and, and EV, yeah. Totally. Oh, that's a great reference. We should do that podcast. Of course, V is a type of werewolf as well, right? In oh, that's interesting. In a lot of ways, yeah. He's a zombie mixed with a werewolf. <laughs> having Vampire. two faces, you know what I mean? Having two faces, needing to hide your real face. Yeah. They all know. All the senior teachers know at some level that there was weird, weird time travel stuff, I think, instinctually, instinctively, if nothing else. Right. And they're pretty pissed about it. Uh, so well, actually, just, none of the teachers know. Yeah. Only Dumbledore and McGonagall. No, but again, had that. yeah, but, but Emma Thompson's character, but while reading Hermione's palm, clearly knew that because reading palm is reading your timeline. So she clearly knows something's happening. Oh, that's interesting. Mm hmm. All right, here we go. You made all the difference in the world. You uncover the truth, right? Emma Watson gets no thanks. She doesn't want it, though, so that's great. Sorry, Hermione. Right. No, he saved two people. Yeah. No, but it's like in the, the thing that pisses me off in Lord of the Rings at the end, the final battle. They're like, for Frodo. I'm like, what about Sam? He's doing all everything. <laughs> yeah, he's like really like yeah. sacrificing everything. I guess everything. that's why. Hermione is like Sam in this movie, and I love it. You know, She's the one you don't expect to be the hero, and she's the hero. It's so funny in six, in in seven. Uh, like Ron has like a bunch of great moments. Like he's so much more useful. Just managed. Nice alliteration there. Volition. V- violation of volition. Right. So he, he gets the map back. So he just goes to live um, in the woods, but he remains sort of an advisor over the course of the movies or books. <laughs> no, he. Uh, you know, he does things for Dumbledore, um, and a lot changes really soon. Um, you know, the Order of the Phoenix starts, and mm-hmm. he's a member of the Order of the Phoenix, um, which is the which is Dumbledore's group uh, that is uh, protecting everybody from Voldemort because the Ministry of Magic refuses to believe that Voldemort is back. Voldemort does not come back until so in the book he's actually in the book, but in this movie he's not in this movie at all. In the book, there's references mm-hmm. um, uh, actually no, he's not in this at all. let me t- I take that back, yeah, he's not in this in, at all, so in the next uh in the next book, he comes back like as a full person, and that's explained later on how that happens. I just can't stop watching uh, Emma Watson in every scene she's in. her smile is ridiculous so. So Sirius bought him this broom. It's like the best broom uh, ever. 
in the book he, he gets it much earlier dude you need to um google oh here we go end of the movie Woo! Oh, i love that they end on that shot it's great no, nah, it's a great movie. They they did a great job. Dun, 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 dun. John Williams, by the way, you, if you know it's John Williams, you can sort of tell, but he's very. This sounds like a Star Wars end a little bit, but it's very distinct. I'm never like, oh, this is John uh, Williams' score. By the way, there's Chris yeah. Columbus as a producer. I was a little behind you that at that end part. Yep, J.K. Rowling, extremely progressive, liberal, outspoken political voice. God bless her. She's great. This was great. This was a lot of fun. I feel like we could do it again, and I still have other things. I, I highly recommend, about. guys, if you're into this thing, the two people, if you want, like, snarky, hilarious, but on point Trump insults on a regular basis, follow J.K. Rowling and Mark Hamill online. The two of them are incredible. Oh, and also uh, Gollum J. Trump. <laughs> yeah. So, you know uh, Gollum J. Trump? Yeah. All right, man. Um, could we do like a five-minute wrap-up here since we need to do a huge beginning? Because I actually saved some of the outside material because I didn't want to interrupt the flow of the movie. Wait, wait, real quick. Real yeah. quick. Do you know Gollum J. Trump? No, no. I'll check it out later. Oh, my God. You have to check I it out. I will. Let's, let's do our, oh do Sammy, let's do okay, our closing let's do bit here well, on the movie. Okay. Great job, by the way, my man. Perfect balance of, of book and movie stuff. And I, I, I wasn't worried with this about you, but I know some people are the type of like, oh, this wasn't in the book. Oh, this is in the movie. And I'm like you. Like, I can enjoy the Lord of the Rings movies as an extension in relation to uh, bo- the Lord of the Rings books. But for the most part, the things... The the few things I don't like in the Lord of the Rings movies have to do with filmmaking, not with doing something or not doing. Uh, can I give you an example really quickly, and I'll throw it to you? Yeah. So, do you know in the in the Two Towers, the second Lord of the Rings movie, the the battle at the keep against like ten thousand orcs, and at the last sure. minute the elves arrive to help out, like a contingent of elves arrive to help them. Um, right, right, right. That doesn't happen in the book. It, it's, it actually makes sense that it would happen in the book, given the political circumstances, but that doesn't happen. And it's, it's both, it gives you a chill moment in the movie, but it also makes some more sense they could survive rather than 300 old men versus 10,000 orcs. So that was the change I actually liked, and I kind of, it was so good I forgot about the first time I saw. All this leading to the question to you of, now that we watch this movie together, from your, I know you've read and listened to the book a ton, you know, how does this fit in with both the other movies, but just all of the canon as a whole? And then I have a question, with you about uh, canon in general and then we'll close up but first of all how does this compare to the seven books and eight movies i mean i think it's one of the best movies like i've said a, a thousand times like the one three and six are the ones i watch the most for different reasons but it's one of the coolest stories it has some of the best actors i mean with gary this is gary Oldman is in some of the other ones but he's not in as much as he is in this one um, and, and its character is great. And um, I, I, I really think this is the cliff notes to the book is the uh, my next question. Yeah, the, is the book, you know, like if, if you if, if I was writing, if I was running a class and told you to read, you know, number three, you know, and you watch the movie, like you, you'd get a you'd, unless I knew which exact things I wanted to quiz you on, like to make sure if you actually read the book, like yep. you get the gist. They, they didn't leave anything out. And the artistic portrayal uh really helps the visual of uh, the you know you know to help your imagination with the wizarding world i mean that's mm-hmm. the whole thing like 
you want to believe that this world exists and like I, I can't stress enough like that's what i think makes a good saga a good mm-hmm. series is like how believable is your world how consistent is your world this was and, a thousand percent of oh, julie christie of course i forgot to mention a thousand percent believable again to someone who came in fresh i bought into this world and understood it like immediately right and i think the lack of conformity and the, like the the expression to you know, be a private school of wizards, not be stupid about it. But like, you know, it, it really, uh, it, it really is one of the better movies. And, uh, like I said, it's the newer Dumble- Dumbledore and he's more physical in this and, uh, there's a lot more going on. And, um, so he, you know, does a lot of cool shit and does a really good entrance. Uh, but, but Morris was great as well. Uh, or I mean, Harris was great as well. Uh, I, I like him for other reasons. Like I said, I still picture him as the real Dumbledore. Um, I, I'm going to hone in on a couple specifics on that, and then we'll close out. Sound okay? Yeah, dude. So you talk about it being sort of supplementary, but you really you do really love it as a a, a film. Um, I'll, let me limit this to one rather than make you think of the whole thing. What is one thing that this movie does? Like, let me put it this way. It's clearly an amazing book that people love and that contributed you know, greatly to the movie being great. But is there something the movie adds? Again, this isn't looking for a knock at the book, but is there something the movie adds that only movies can do that you think makes the movie great? Not just because of the book, but sort of in addition to the book, if that makes sense. Like Emma Watson would be an obvious one, right? So what, what, are there one or two other things you can point to as a film that add to the greatness of this story? Well, the overall visual effects that they did a really good job creating the castle, creating the outdoor scenes, um, and then the costume design is, is incredible. I think they've won awards for costume design. So, you know, being someone who's going to go back and listen to the books uh, on Audible all the time, you know, I want a visual to to rely on, and it really fills in holes of, you know, Quidditch is a good example. Like, they didn't spend a ton of time on it in this one. Um but, you know, like they explain how the game is played. But, you, you, you know, you, you can't get the real idea of it unless like you kind of like get to see this virtual game being played. And it looks, you know, they did a good, good job on it. They didn't waste too much time on it. They, they made sure you knew what was going to happen. And in the first two, two uh, um, the first the first movie they have it, the second movie they don't, where there's they cancel one mm-hmm. of the Quidditch matches, so mm-hmm. there's not a lot of Quidditch in two. But you know, just certain things like that, they give you cool. a good visual effect right. of what's going to happen. And I, I thought yeah. they did a great job. Do you mind if we end on a f- few short, just film questions? We we talk about the actor and the director, and we'll close out from there. Yeah, sure. Beautiful. Okay, so you know, we always talk about. I always talk about how just difficult but when it's done well brilliant casting young kids is especially when they do great as kids and then great as adults like even though Natalie Portman had a little bit of a rough transition they clearly recognized she was brilliant and many Academy Award nominations later they're clearly correct and a win uh, you know what I'm saying uh, Emma Watson was a star from a young kid Jennifer Lawrence was famous pretty young Scarlett Johansson etc you know they recognize it these kids were really young though Simi but let me ask you this doesn't it add an extra level of difficulty to cast a, the kid who does look like Harry Potter, but is also the best person for the job based on acting skills? Like, how the fuck did they do that? This is totally rhetorical. What do you think? Well, you know, they could always make someone have black hair and stuff like that. But, uh, but they, with the glasses, yeah, they, it's, it's, you know. Yeah, you throw the glasses mm-hmm. on. I mean, no, yeah. they, they did we'll just talk really about can talk about the child casting in general. Um, the child cast. 
the child casting in general is incredible. Malfoy's character is actually great. He actually originally had tried out for uh, for Potter, and then they did a callback for him to be Malfoy. And uh, you know, he did a great job being the evil guy. You know, but maybe at some point they they pictured him being Potter. You know, and uh, uh, you know, a good actor is going to give you. Uh, is going to be able to give you that diverse role, like Gary Oldman in, did in this exact movie. He played the good guy and the bad guy, you know, as he does in a lot of other movies. Not, I mean, being able to play sometimes he's the bad guy, like in uh, Fifth Element. Sometimes he's the good guy, like uh, you know, Inspector Gordon and in Batman. You know, and he he's able to be that diverse. So you know, their 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 wide range of uh, range. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It, it, it is incredible and their wide actors, range yeah uh-huh yeah their yeah. wide range of range uh it, you know for child actors is incredible you just don't expect any yeah. kids to be <laughs> you know doing things on this level and the fact that like you know they're all like planning to do eight movies mm-hmm. you know from the start to finish like mm-hmm. that they were all uh you know, learning, uh, learning on the job, if you will, because as as do most good actors, mm-hmm. but you know, especially children, you know, so they're uh, living, eating, and breathing, you know, Potter for a good chunk of their lives, and uh, you know, that was their family, and it seemed like it was a, uh, it was reflected in how good the movies were and how how well they've done, you know, that, that was a nice family. All right, I'm going to point out some like logistical stuff about this film, and then give you final uh-huh. thoughts, and we'll sign out. So, sure. logistical stuff. The budget, on the, so the budget of the Fellowship of the Ring. So, really quickly, man. So, this came out a month before Fellowship of the Ring, which both came out a few months after 9/11. Both of these movies being escapist fantasies and being great. Not this one. I'm sorry, the first Harry Potter movie. First Harry Potter movie and Lord of the Rings came out the same year. Harry Potter mid November, uh, and then Christmas time uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Both made a killing. Did almost the exact same money this uh harry potter one made a slightly bit more um and were raved by both you know fans uh and critics um and it was certainly a time for people to start getting into escapist fantasies as well post 9 11 um but basically what i'm saying is both the lord of the rings and harry potter movie started making money immediately because of how good they were and people loved the stories and made more and more money as they went along and you know and so forth so that's great the other thing is about the kids man is because england's not a huge country now they they made a movie every year and a half. That's why sometimes they'd come out in the spring and sometimes they'd come out in the fall. That sounds crazy for kids. However, most film shoots at most take four to six months. And because to me they were filming in the studios, by the way, where Star Wars does now. They, Warner Brothers basically when they stopped making Harry Potter in like 2012 and Disney bought um, uh, uh, Star Wars that same year, they sold or made a deal where Disney is now using these studios, which are based on the original Star Wars studios. So it's pretty crazy um in london Mm -hmm. point being even as young kids they could still have school because they would have a year off between film shoots and because all of the sets uh, you know were there and they were developing the cgi constantly the adult people behind it the kids could do three four or five months of shooting and then have a year off basically so instead of taking summer break and having winter break they got to be in the harry potter movies i'm sure they're thankful for that and a lot of kids would pay to have that experience so that was one thing the other thing was you know alfonso cuaron hasn't making a ton of movies but if you look at this city of God and grav uh, uh, city of God, C- uh, children of men, children of men, and gravity are wildly different. 
Um, but on top of that, you really need to see his first big movie, um, which is super sexy, uh, and Mexican. I don't normally, um, recommend foreign films to people unless I know they're a foreign film person. This is a foreign film for non-foreign film people. It's about two young boys who have a thing for the same slightly older woman. They go on a road trip and then things get really crazy between the three of them sexually. You know who the two boys are? Who? Diego Luna and Gail Garcia Bernal. Oh, wow. I haven't seen this. Yeah. They're like best buddies, and this woman helps them sort of open their mind to sexuality, and they have this road trip together. It's normally the type of movie I wouldn't see. It's spectacular, and if you like this and some of his other movies, you should definitely check it out. Um, so uh, I think that's all I have from the film side. Um, I'm definitely going to do the audiobooks, man, because I have an audible credit, and I've been dissatisfied with a lot of audiobooks, including guys do not listen to the new star wars i this is a public service announcement in my opinion mark thompson who's done a ton of star wars books he goes way over the top with his performances i'd stay away from any of his books but the new theron book with padme and anakin the, the laughable his personation to them simmy so what i'm saying is i'm looking for a good audible book i think jim dale is the guy for the job so that'll be He's my incredible. final thought i don't think i'm gonna watch all the movies but i would definitely listen to all the books so that's where i'm at right now um i'll give you final thought you can talk about the books bu- book the books the movie the movies some combination you're about jk rowling you're talking about the actors wh- whatever you want go for it buddy and i'll sign us out i i want jesse to watch seven and uh part one and if two you pay for the rentals i'll do it to... send me eight okay, bucks I, i'll watch it i i, I, I can work that out okay. you can figure something or out. find a way for me to watch it um oh i could maybe i have a dvd i think i'd, I'd want to do Blu-ray. six seven and eight though yeah no you should do six seven and eight yeah. well eight is yeah part two right um you know this is one of my favorite series and uh this is one of my favorite movies of the series as i'm emphasizing a thousand times in this uh, uh, uh podcast but uh you know it's because of everything that jesse was talking about it's because it's really the uh, birth of getting a darker movie, uh, becoming more personable. The kids are growing up, and and I was watching these as an older person. You know, I was already in college, so you know the one and two are a little a little light and a little embarrassing, and three starts to get dark, and it's it's pretty good. And then, um, you know, I think everybody can get a lot out of it. So if you haven't done any of the Potters, if if you uh, you know, you only done a little, you know, give it some time. I think there, there's going to be a movie for you or you'll get to the point where, you know, it's really at the level of what you want it to be because, mm-hmm. uh, it's really a great series. The books are great. Jim Dale is great. Uh, uh, the movies are great. Uh, it, it's just one big world. The, the theme parks are great. Uh, I, I've had fun with, with all of it. So, uh, I think for any age, anybody can get into it. Uh, if, if, if uh, yeah. you got to give into the world but the Mm -hmm. world they paint is very good so this is leading from that i actually this was the big question i I, I held off on and we don't have to have a big discussion this might just be rhetorical but the the iconic image of this movie in the entire film series is harry in the blue hoodie and her in the pink hoodie like that's what i think of it's the second half of this movie plain clothes as we pointed out there's magic going on but it's mostly through trees and animals and stuff it's not wands and, and things like that um and that's what stands out to me who's someone who loves fantasy so my question simmy is is the reason this is the two-part question is the reason this is considered the best if not one of the best of the films because of sort of how natural and naturalistic it is or is it just a great movie that happens to have those features if that makes sense 
I think it's how dark it is. It's really scary. I mean, the next one is a little dark, but not as dark as this one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mean, a teen the, horror coming of age movie. Yeah, it re- it really is. It it's really like Stranger is. Things, like, right? I mean, Stranger Things pulls from st- stuff like this. If I had a I don't know nine year old who watched this or ten year old who watched this and they're like, yeah, I wasn't that scared. I'd be like, okay, okay, you're I'm ready scared. for a few other things, but like it's yeah. scary. Like yeah, so mm-hmm. um, I think they did a really good job yes. with the Dementors. Um, I think they did a really good job with the werewolf. Mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job with with uh, Snuffles or Sirius Black's character, the dog. Um, and I think the darkness of it really, uh, and the transition apparently, uh, 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 the apparent transition between two and three, and how much and and two wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, two two is probably my least favorite. So that's a lot of it. You know, not only is it a great one, mm-hmm. but it was such a bounce back, and it was such a stark difference from from two so like you you were kind of getting maybe a little worried about the series because one was great because it did a great portrayal of the world but it's still fluffy sorry that's why they shook it up and brought in quite on and right christopher columbus chris columbus maintained being an executive producer but they were like we don't need the home alone guy we need the e2 mama tom guy um right and it paid off oh and i was gonna say man and, and again this is just what i've read the hard the fans who are hardcore of the books and love this particular movie, but not all the movies as much say that the movies, the movies that came after this one, the main flaw is they didn't learn from the sort of naturalism and groundedness of it. And that it could have used some more of that in the book that always comes across. You have more time to tell the story. It's a book. It's already Mm -hmm. more grounded. And I will say having seen four and five where it's just magic, 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 magic. I kind of felt dizzy after it, even while having fun and recognizing that it was really good. And so the first hour of this, I'm so in on the magic because I know the second hour is going to be them running around Scotland having adventures and stuff. So that's my, my personal feeling about that. I don't know if you agree with that, that sentiment yeah no i do i i think people can find all sorts of things and reasons to like this movie i mean there's mm-hmm. tons of great things going on there's tons of great acting there's tons of great actors there's tons of great scenery okay and they they do a really good job tying it up mm-hmm. you know they do a, uh they put a mm-hmm. nice bow on it and so, there's a good twist mm-hmm. at the end and yep. uh you know it Multiple keeps you twists. guessing yeah yeah yep and it does the thing that i always say john connor because you know terminator nailed this is that only use time travel in so far as um it serves the plot like in uh looper for example ryan johnson's 2012 movie with bruce willis and joseph gordon sure. love another great use of time travel um so forth uh any other time travel movies and then Simi, i want to tease what we might do next and then we'll really sign out any other time travel movies you got terminator memento isn't a time travel movie because of his memory thing it feels like a time travel movie <clears throat> looper uh, the new star treks uh right they do that right that, that was, was really kind just kind of cool you mean the movie the movies right right that was to, yeah that was to reset the universe and gets old spock in there uh they, right that was kind of cool uh like the new star trek series discovery which i wasn't gonna watch but i got a free trial i loved it and they're they're already renewed now multiple seasons um really picked up there's a major time travel thing in the final four or five episodes star trek you can always count on for, for time travel you know that i've been predicting it for years on star wars man and with the world between worlds by the way dude i know you don't blu-ray but rebels is on blu-ray now for you guys out there um and apparently dave filoni does i don't want to pay for the blu-ray to me i've already paid for the digital files but filoni apparently does commentary on all the episodes i'm like god damn it 
Oh, um, wow. By the way, I'm just going to send you my PS3, which I don't use anymore, with video games, and you can use it for a DVD player. You're welcome. Oh, stop it. Stop um, it. Don't, don't, don't tease me like I'm not that. teasing you. If you pay for shipping, it's yours. Oh, this was my final deal with you, and we'll tease future stuff, which is I will watch 6, 7, and 8, and maybe even do commentaries at some point, but I get to pick three movies that you have to watch, but I guarantee there'll be movies you like. So, E2 Mama Tambien is one. I'll have to think of the other two. Okay. All right? All right. Okay. Deal. So. Deal. Desert, not Desert Island. Best case scenario, give me two, three movies you'd love to do at some point because, my friend, there's no avoiding it. We are doing Return of the Jedi next time I get you on the podcast. It is happening. Yeah, it no, it's happens. time. We've and been now that, oh, with it. No, this is what we're going to end with, Timmy. Fuck my previous question. We got to end with this. I might release this as, as a quickie as well. They mm-hmm. finally announced the cast for episode nine. And the two biggest things other than Billy D. Williams is confirmation that Hamill will be back. People thought they would tease us and the Carrie Fisher thing, which you and I have texted and talked a bit about thoughts on the cast announcements announcements for episode nine. So we get a little star Wars in and then I will uh, officially uh, uh, get us out of here. Uh, first of all, I'm surprised that Billy Dean wasn't in uh, solo. So I'm surprised that they're like just starting to reach out. Well, the whole him. point was we had Lando younger as Donald Glover. That wouldn't really make sense. Yeah, but you could have done like some sort of a cameo like like they do in sometimes like uh, just you could have done something. You could have just tossed him in there at something like I, I didn't think you were then, going that way. Happened. I thought you were going to say he should have been in seven and or eight. That's what a lot of people have been saying. No, I was all right with it, but I was I, thought, mm-hmm. I just thought he should have been in solo. I think there's I mean, like that's like his movie and like he was barely. Here's the thing. I, Sammy, I'm sorry to yeah. break it to you. I know you love Maz and want more Maz. I really like Maz, would be happy with more Maz, but you could right. have replaced her with Billy D from the beginning from a character standpoint. Oh, yeah. But anyways, we're talking about the future. Oh, so Billy D's back. He's going to be doing a lot of filming. I think we're in good hands. I think yeah. we're in great hands. But I want to ask I mean, you specific... Like a lot of stuff. Okay, so just a specific Go questions, ahead. though, because I wanted to get this on the record. We'll save Carrie Fisher for the last, and then we'll sign out. Mark Hamill, are you... We all knew that he was going to appear at like a Force Ghost... Let me ask you, A, are, are you happy they announced it? Would you rather them have kept it quiet? Um, and B, is this just a Force Ghost or is there any other possibilities here? But first, are, are you happy they announced it openly? I, I mean, it is what it is. It's hard to keep things like that secret. Uh, he Mark may Hamill can't keep... It. Sorry, man. Mark Hamill is horrible at keeping secrets. I think right. they were like, there's no way he's going to be able to keep the secret 18 months. We might as well just announce it. And I think it's. I think we made it clear. We've even talked about that we're expecting him to be... Yep. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, so I'm asking you, do you think it'll be more with the announcement more than a three minute force goes? Do you think uh, we'll see more of it or it'll be a Yoda? Yeah, I think I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of interaction with her. Um, Maybe and, some flashbacks uh, with Kylo. Yep. Yeah. And then there'll also be some the same way uh, Qui-Gon comes to Obi-Wan here and there. You know, there'll be a couple of those probably more than one. Maybe. Okay. I'd say. All right. So final question. And the most important thing uh, we'll talk about in the outro and then I'll sign us off is Carrie Fisher. Simi, before a week ago, there appeared to be only three possibilities for how to deal with Leia in episode nine. There was writing her off dead off screen, which was my preference. There was CGI, which I was actually be more okay with than most people, as you know, because of my response to Rogue One CGI characters. But I, I was fear that most people, even if it was good, would right. hate it. You like Moff too, yeah. I, I like it. I'm not crazy about it. You know, I, I'm not crazy about the concept, and so I was worried people would hate it just in concept. Even though I think. 
by the way, Carrie Fisher looking down in heaven, as we talked about, I think would approve of it just because she would find it hilarious. Um, but see that they would recast. I thought there was no way they would recast. People can't separate Carrie Fisher from Princess Leia, and we would never want to. So, right. Apparently, I'm, gl- I'm Simi- really glad they didn't. Well, apparently, there's a fourth option. Was you know, good call bringing back your highly successful director from Episode Seven, who knows what he's doing and has all sorts of extra footage of Carrie Fisher. So we got the fourth option, the best option we didn't know. They're going to have to be very sparing with it and be clever because they don't want it to be too obvious and take you out of the movie. But in general, Simi, I, I imagine let me put it this way. Th- this is the best of a lot of bad scenarios with Carrie Fisher not being alive. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's a great idea. I think they can also do stuff with holograms um, where it's obviously CGI, but like you know in that world you know you could have a whole meeting where she just happens to not be there so you're just seeing her on cgi and then you have uh you know bits and pieces from uh the clips that they did so my only fear is that i'm going to be watching it you know looking for they're not gonna do the it lines. they're not gonna do it you know you, all right you, you know. didn't know it was tarkin when you saw the first time and right. jj's right. even yeah, more of job. a master jj is a job. master of this thing and you know let me just I, say something no go ahead no, I was just going to say, I, I, I think if anyone's going to do it well, it's going to be them. So I just, well, here, I here's the best news to come out of this, buddy. And people, here's, you've heard this prediction here first. I just came up with this a day or two ago. I'm convinced of it. There's no evidence, but I know how to read these things. Simi, do you know what the big surprise for episode nine is? What's that? One of the flashbacks we're going to get from the footage from episode seven is a scene between her and Harrison Ford. I don't know if they're going to shoot new Han footage with Harrison, although I think with Carrie's death, he might agree to it. But I think we're definitely going to see Harrison Ford, and they're not announcing it because it's going to be a small but huge surprise. But I think there's a 93% chance at least of seeing Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford Han Solo in this film, even if it's a flashback. That'd be awesome. Yep. That'd be awesome. But I think that's a good... I will. Uh, I would. I would. I would bet on that with you. I would. I would take that bet. I, I think that's a great idea. All right, buddy. Thank you. I so- hope they do it. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, uh, I wasn't bad even with my Harry Potter. You know, <laughs> poor Harry Potter knowledge. Like, look, maybe I'll have gotten through some or all the audiobooks by the time we do the other movies. No, man, you did a great job. I think yeah. uh, I loved because uh, you know a lot of the stuff that I don't know. So uh, yep. I thought it was a good compliment. It was, that was great. I really enjoyed it. So that, guys, that, you know, yeah. So it was amazing. Really quickly, and thank you, Simi. Guys, look forward to our Return of the Jedi commentary because the three mo- the three Star Wars movies we've done. Sorry, the four. This will be the fourth. Um, we did Attack of the Clones, which. I was a cynical asshole about. Why do you have to bring it up? All right, keep going. Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm mean, no, you were trying to be positive, and I was a cynical asshole, which the I promised potty, not to the, do. The podcast that must not be named. Yep. Then we did. We did the first original Star Wars New Hope, which was great because, first of all, I know I always notice things in that movie that I, I forget about. And we pontificated on some of the smaller stuff, like his family and so forth, that people don't normally talk about. And we talked a lot of big picture. We just had a goofy time. We had a lot of fun. We geeked out over the Rogue One connections, blah, 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 blah. But we started with Rogue One, which was a movie that you love going in. I definitively was my favorite. You know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, you know, me doing the Rogue One commentary, like I, I had more in my head going into it. Whereas doing this commentary with Harry Potter, you know, you have way more in your head, obviously going into it, having spent so much more time on it. So that was, that was great for me to experience that. So thank you. But we grew up on Return of the Jedi. 
And yeah. so that movie is the difficult thing is not to be talking about how like every second's amazing um, and just be not be super giddy about. Um, and guys, I'm going to tease. Uh, I have some new Atrium music that you guys will have to listen to for this one. They'll tease Return of the Jedi with Simi. So Simi, I'm really looking forward to that. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think it's been beckoning us. That's going to be the ro- the one to dive back into uh, yeah into our Star Wars mold. And you know, by, we needed we needed the yeah. cleanse. I think we got it. But I would like to do uh, yeah. another one of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can you tease, maybe, tease a couple. Uh, you know, I I I really think you should see seven, uh, six, seven, and no, uh, I will. Let's part no, two. What about non genre stuff like non fantasy sci fi? What are some Non-fi- yeah like what are some well, we were talking like about the departed I mean, I or something should... like that oh or uh, there will be blood or um true romance i haven't seen that true grit uh, i don't know about true. true romance is a quentin tarantino movie with um mm-hmm. every actor in the world yep. and they do a james gandolfini brad pitt yep. uh christopher walken uh it's it's an it's it's an incredible movie. Uh, Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man. That, Any, that's a good What about one. comic book movies? Any comic book movies you feel passionately about? Uh, I would love to talk about the new one at some level. Uh, the, the new, um, infinity war. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait to see that again. That'd be I've great. Kind of actually, uh, yeah. Because I've already d- I really want to see a few times. I've already done Black Panther, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We should do Infinity War when it comes out uh, to the public. I've seen Doctor Strange maybe ten times too. I like Doctor. Strange I don't think I have enough to say about that movie, even though I like Batch. Um, but I love him in Infinity War. So that um, I told you going into that movie, we'll, we'll sign off here, guys. Sorry, but I did tell you going into <laughs> Infinity War, which we've never discussed to watch Doctor Strange, and you have to admit he was one of the coolest parts of that movie. Right, right. Yep. No, I, I actually yep. had Doctor Strange comic books when I was growing up. I had a comic yep. book, uh, The Secret Defenders, and yep. Doctor Strange would pull people from different dimensions to go fight different evil awesome. things that were going awesome. on. All right, dude. So, yeah. All right, this was great. Look forward, guys, to the next couple of weeks, Return of the Jedi. By total coincidence, uh, the movie I grew up loving the most ended up being the last one to do. And, Simi, you are now more than a veteran on these commentaries, so Return of the Jedi will be a blast. Uh, you guys can check me out at bizzlecast.com at thebizzle81 on Twitter. Um, you can also check out my new Lorecast uh, series, which I'm doing weekly with Jedi Geek Girl, which is part of the Bizzlecast and is on the same feed, but is sort of its own series uh, that we're talking about all different eras. We talked about Ahsoka. We talked about Rogue. We talked about Rogue One. We're doing a Clone Wars episode. We just did a comics episode. Um, actually, in two weeks, we're doing an original trilogy episode, which I haven't done in a long time. So that will be great. So that's Lore SW Lorecast. Dot com, SWLorecast on Twitter, on Facebook, etc., so forth. Timmy's uh, Simmy is not a social media guy, so if you guys want to get to Simmy, get to me, and I'll, I'll make sure it gets to him. Sound good, buddy? Yeah, man. Awesome. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you, um, and please send uh, uh, um, uh, best wishes to the, uh, the the lady. Hope she's doing well. I will. Yeah. I will. And uh, I will. we'll be coming back at you in another week or two, guys, with Return of the Jedi. Uh, so, um... I know. What do you say in Harry Potter? May the force be with you. I mean, what's the what's the thing? Uh, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. We are. We aim to misbehave here at the Bizzlecast. And with that, people, we are out. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, 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 oh. I told me, told me,